Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past uh, four. I don't think I've ever started a programme feeling so depressed about the world. I don't think I've ever felt sort of this much, I don't know, nothing, just emptiness, just complete bloody emptiness. I don't think I've ever had a programme where I've started off and people have said, oh, what are you going to talk about? Thought, Do you know, to be honest with you, I've got no idea. I look at the pictures on the front pages of the papers, I listen to the uh, people who've been phoning in, and I think to myself, either Allah is speaking to two different people or somebody's got mixed messages somewhere along the line. I don't quite understand how in this day and age... Well, I'm not that stupid. I understand how in this day and age there are fanatics. I understand that people, you know, do things... Generally speaking, when something like this happens, it takes us ages to try and find the people who perpetrate the crime. Quite clearly, we're now dealing with something completely different because they're not remotely bothered about being identified. They couldn't care less. They want to be identified. They want to be hailed as some sort of heroes in their tiny, shallow, infantile little minds. The trouble is, at the end of the day, some poor, you know, young chap lost his life on the streets of London. The last thing he was probably thinking about when he went out yesterday, because you don't think about things like that. But the trouble is, there are these little pockets, there are these fanatics, I'm sure you've all got different words for them, loonies, mentally deranged, you know, people who are so shallow and so stupid, they can't see their own nose in front of their face, and yet they will happily, in broad daylight... And I'm not going to bang on about it because it's, it's annoying me already. They will happily, in broad daylight, butcher somebody and think nothing of it. They think nothing of it. They couldn't care less. There is no deterrent. There is nothing that you could say to this person who's on the front pages of the papers that would ever change his mind. He couldn't care less. He couldn't care less at all. He's not remotely bothered. He goes up to the bus. You know, film me, film me. You, you've heard his voice on the news. You, you, you sort of think to yourself, what sort of person is it? Deranged? Looney? What is he? Answer is, he's got no shame. He couldn't care less. He, he's one of those fanatics that, quite clearly, you know, we must, have, we must have loads of in London, little pockets of them, where they go out in a car with machetes. So do they go out to intentionally commit a crime? Are they thieves? Are they robbers? Are they burglars? Have they murdered before? You know, eventually all of this will come out, but at the end of the day, it leaves me with this hollow, empty feeling... That there's a family who, uh, who are missing a son this morning. And, th- and, and it's so public. It's so public. People record it. I can't understand the sickness. And I'm quite sure that there are those of you listening who think that that's what we do nowadays. We're so obsessed by the media. We're so interested. Everything goes on. I've always maintained, if you had public executions on the television, like in Saudi Arabia, it'd get huge audiences because you want to watch somebody dying. You don't want to watch somebody being murdered. You know, somebody who's committed a crime. But, I mean, even if you brought the death penalty back tomorrow, which isn't going to happen, it wouldn't make any difference to this this man. He couldn't care less. I should imagine they went out there thinking, well, at some point, you know, we might be shot dead by the police. And what, what, what annoys me more than anything, you know, apart from the fact that it's, it's happened on our streets, is, um, is, is a gun officer standing over as a doctor is helping one of these fanatics. I'd have, I'd have left him. I'd have left him. I'm really sorry. Perhaps it's a bit heartless. But I'm afraid, you know, that all that kind of sympathy goes out the window as far as I'm concerned. I just, I just can't believe that this, this poor person, I mean, this brave woman as well, who, uh, who looks after this, this soldier, and she stood up to this man, uh, quite clearly, you know, somebody who is so deranged that you couldn't ever have a, a, a discussion with him because he's too stupid. He's so wrapped up in his own tiny you know, secular little world. He's got no idea of any concept of anything, no decency. He knows nothing, probably, about this person. Knows nothing. 
Absolutely nothing at all, and we know nothing about him, and that's the way it should be at the moment. You know, I don't want to, and we will have it. You know we're going to have it in a few days' time. There will be pictures in the papers of this young man, and they'll say lots of lovely things about him, because whenever something like this happens, you just feel so bloody awful. You feel so terrible about it. It makes you feel depressed. I said at the beginning, I've never started a programme feeling so down and so depressed and so blooming useless. So useless, because you can't do anything about it. It's not like these people sort of, you know, flag themselves up and go, today we're going to go out and commit an atrocity. They don't tell you about it. It's a bit like the tornado, isn't it? It just comes in and sweeps away people's lives and takes their property. It's, there's no warning. There's no warning with these people. We didn't know. Were they on MI6's radar? Are they aware of these people? If so, why were they not following them? Or perhaps they... We've got this huge building for MI6. What in God's name do they do in there? Why are they not sorting this kind of thing out? 2.20, broad daylight. Somebody is attacked on the streets of... Well, not just attacked. You can't even describe it as, a, as an attack. It's just, it's just mindless. And I can't think of anything. They're not going to bother when they go into court, are they? about what the... You know, so somebody goes, right, you, you'll go to prison for life. <laughs> Why should they care? Why should they care? They're so barking mad, it wouldn't make the slightest difference. They don't care. They, don't, they really don't care. They're so wrapped up in their, in their pathetically small, tiny mind and their little, tiny world that there's nothing that you could ever say to them that they would go, yeah, I agree. They, I mean, they, they don't even recognise the jurisdiction of a British court. Why would they worry about it? Even if there was a death penalty, they think they're going to a better place. They're that stupid. They're that dim. They're that thick. They don't represent Muslims in this country. They really don't. And that's why it'll be nice to hear today lots of Muslims coming out, you know, decrying these people and going, they're nothing to do with Islam. I mean, quite clearly, if they are, then quite clearly there must be two different interpretations of this book. Because I'm hearing people all the time going, oh, Islam, it's very peaceful. Well, quite clearly not. Quite clearly not, if these are Muslim fanatics. They're obviously reading from the wrong book. Perhaps there's two books. Perhaps it's a bit like Old and New Testament. You know, perhaps it's that kind of thing. I mean, it, I'm, I'm as annoyed about this and depressed and fed up about the whole thing as I'm about stupid Norman Tebbit from yesterday. Talking about homosexuality. I mean, quite clearly the man's never experienced a good old snog from another bloke. Talking about, you know, fathers having sex with their sons. I mean, he's so balmy off the end of the scale now, he thinks incest is the same as homosexuality. I mean, that was another thing. That you just, you just can't get your head around, can you? The stupid people, and then the stupid people. And, uh, this man yesterday, standing, ranting. I mean, quite does he work? Of course he probably doesn't work. Of course he doesn't work. There's nothing you can do about it. Even Muslim groups have condemned this attack, and, uh, a Muslim resident was the first person to lay flowers. I should blooming well think so, too. It doesn't matter, though, who it is laying them. It's people claiming to be Muslim and claiming, you know, you and your kids are next. This is this nuts rant here. You know, the only reason we've killed this man is because Muslims are dying daily by British soldiers. What's that got to do with him? He doesn't, they don't know anything about him. Just indiscriminate. Just indiscriminate. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. 84850, uk, And everybody's saying exactly the same. I've not said anything different this morning than, uh, than everybody else is saying. It is just terrible. But it's the, it's the people who are happily going about their business while the body of this soldier lies in the middle of the road. You know, I don't think we should, we should let the extremists divide us. I don't think that we should worry too much about them. But it is an attack on Islam, 
they have uh, they've decried their own faith. They made a mockery of themselves, and now they'll be the hunt to find the jihadist killers, terror links. Because if there's two, there must be three. There must be little pockets of these people. I don't know. Perhaps they're all boyfriends. I don't know. Perhaps they all hold hands and skip or something. But you do worry about it, don't you? It's it's and it's on the front page of all the papers, and that's what's so frightening. It happens in broad daylight. It happens in daylight, and other people go about their business. Other people go about their business. They just carry on, you know, going out there and, and sort of walking past it like it was an everyday thing. Oh, dear. 84850, steve at uk or 84850. Another one here. This is from... Uh, uh, this, uh, there's one here from Danny, who's a founder of the Woolwich Community page online. Is it, is it because of Twitter that this has now been tweeted around and the pictures? I don't know how many people were filming. I, I'd forgotten to keep a tally earlier on of how many people were actually filming this thing and then putting it up. But these are the pictures which are in the papers. These are the pictures taken by the people, I'm assuming, on the bus. He didn't have any didn't have any hesitation whatsoever at being seen. So on the front, as you know, Ollie's been through them. You'll never be safe. We will not stop fighting. I mean, it, it's, it'll happen again. No doubt. I have no doubt in my mind that something like this can happen at any time because these people are just so deranged, sickeningly deluded and unforgivable, says the Independent. I think that kind of sums it up, doesn't it, really? It's the kind of thing that we all, uh, you know, we all sort of look at and you think to yourself, so why are you so mad? You know, why? You know, residents have taken the pictures of these two men and, uh, and they're under arrest. And so do we go through a trial? Do we, do we sort of... Because we know. We, we don't need to find them guilty. They've stood there and admitted what they've done. It's kind of like, you know, when they, when they do get into court, are we going to waste so much money? But what's the deterrent? There is no deterrent, is there? There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say to these people that will change their narrow-minded views. Absolutely nothing at all. You know, they will shun courts. There was a case a short while ago, I think, of a, of a, of a so-called Muslim fanatic in court, and he just turned his back on the judge. And we happily sit back, don't we, as a country? We sit back and go, oh, that's all right. It's his human rights, you know. He's allowed to do things like that. And then you think, I'm not really sure he is, actually. I'm not really sure. And so here, you know, the hidden, the hidden truth of this man lying in the middle of the road and people just standing around. And it's just, it's just depressing. I've never heard of anything so, so depressing. He says here, we won't stop fighting until you leave us alone. I don't even know who this idiot is. We will do very shortly. As I say, he's, you know, you, you can almost, you know, try and target him. He probably doesn't work. He's probably on benefits. He doesn't do anything. He just sits down and gets the interpretation of something which he thinks is correct. But because he's of limited intelligence, he, he takes the wrong interpretation. Because if he really thinks that this is the way forward, well, then he's even more deluded than we think. I mean, they, they attempted to behead him with a knife and a meat cleaver. I mean, dear God in heaven. On the streets of Woolwich. I don't know anything about Woolwich. I think I might have been down there once, I think. But I can't, I can't remember. I'm assuming it's a fairly nice, average sort of area in London. It's got nice properties. It's, uh, they've sort of converted some of the, uh, the military barracks down there to housing. So, I mean, but, you know, there's, there's no, no denying that these sort of little terrorist cells are all over the place. But it's the mother of two who put her life on the line last night. She was the one who tried to persuade the terrorists to hand over their weapons. I mean, she's a Cub Scout leader. I mean, I can't help feeling good for her. Good for her, but, by God, she took her life in her hands. I mean, you know, she she said she asked them for their weapons, and they said, we want to start a war in London tonight. 
and uh, and she quite clearly, being a Cub Scout leader, is used to dealing with uh, with little tiny brains, and so she was dealing quite well with them and knew exactly what to do. And she's the one who emerges as the hero. I don't think anybody else comes out with with, uh, with too much saving grace. Sixteen minutes past four. This is LBC. On this morning, we'll be talking uh, about the military history of, of Woolwich. I mean, it was the headquarters of the Royal Artillery, but I, I really don't know enough about it. So if you live down in Woolwich, let me know about it. What sort of area is it? Is it a nice area? Is it, is it fairly affluent? I remember said they were building houses, weren't they, at Woolwich Arsenal, converting various places. So I'm assuming it's, it's quite nice down there. But, but how do you respond to this? You know, what, what are the government expected to do? I don't know. We don't have call Clegg today, but there will be a, a comment a little bit later on. I mean, it's, you know, a, a friend of mine just texted me and said, um, you know, he said, I feel, you know, awful. It just turns my stomach. Yet at the same time, it kind of scares me. And I said, well, it's, it kind of scares everybody, doesn't it? Because you don't know. It's the not knowing. It's the not knowing when you walk out of your front door, you know. I, mean, I was thinking, actually, coming through London this morning, I was thinking, would I recommend people walking through London by themselves in the early hours of the morning? And I came to the conclusion, no, I wouldn't. Because round Piccadilly, and just up by the Ritz and a bit further out when you go up to the Hard Rock, it's, it's almost pitch dark up there at night. We don't seem to have bright lights. So, but, but as I say, this, this wouldn't have deterred these fanatics at all, because they... They're operating in broad daylight. They couldn't care less. They didn't run away. They didn't get back into the car. They're clearly identifiable. You know, they happily stand there and have a rant on camera for somebody. That's their little high. That's their little, you know, their little massaging of their tiny egos. That's what they're after. That's the kind of thing they're looking for. They're looking for the publicity, and they've got it. They've got it on every single news bulletin. They've got it on every single newspaper today. And here they are being allowed to spout their hatred. It's as simple as that. I mean, it, I mean, it is, it does worry if you live in certain areas where you think to yourself, I don't want to go out late at night. I want to be able to, you know, go out. I mean, years ago, I know it sounds really stupid. I'm old enough to remember when you could leave your front door open. I could go out and leave my front door open and come back and everything would be in there. Nothing to, nothing to nick. You know, somebody says, this person says, in our country, if he's from another country... Who's responsible for letting him into England? Well, I mean, listening to his accent, he sounds South London to me. He sounds very South London. He didn't sound like he'd wandered in from somebody else. He's, but then you see, people say, it's like, you know, if, if you're terribly religious, then you're going to say, you know, in the kingdom of heaven. And you go, where is that? And they're going to go, well, it's the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? It's, it's that, that kind of thing. But, I mean, listening to his voice, he was very South London. So, is he homegrown? He quite clearly, when they, they found some other people the other week, they arrested some people, they'd just been sent to prison. And it turned out they'd not been outside of the country. They'd almost indoctrinated themselves. They hadn't, they hadn't ever sort of been outside to the usual sort of places where they go and get this sort of training where they're, where they're taught hatred by a bunch of even more stupid people. I mean, Mary says, thank goodness nobody else was attacked. I don't think they were interested in attacking anybody else. I'm firmly of the opinion this man was attacked. I mean, I mean, you know, had he not been identifiable as a soldier, and at the moment we don't know anything about him at all. We know nothing about him. We don't know whether he was a, an active soldier. We don't know whether he served up food in the camp. We don't know anything. We know nothing at all. We just know that somewhere he's got a family, and that family this morning must be in pieces. Absolute pieces. You know, and that's, that's what's so depressing. And I, I agree with you, Lee. You know, you don't necessarily, you don't feel safe anymore, do you? You wander outside. People have got this aggression, an attitude now. 
you know, you walk through Leicester. The amount of people I've spoken to, you say you walk through Leicester Square on a on a, a Saturday night. There's an atmosphere. That's why the police are all over the place. Because there's drunk groups hanging around all over the place. You look at somebody, you know, it's like, you're looking at me. You're looking at me. It's almost like people are encouraging some kind of violence because they're so stupid. Apparently, Johnny says Woolwich is, the, uh, is in the top ten most deprived postcodes. It's got a high percentage of children living in poverty. I don't know what poverty is nowadays. I've seen poverty in, in African countries, and I don't think the poverty over here is anything like they've got over there. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think it's anything to do with religion. I, do, I really don't think. I just think it's people who are anti-things. You know, like people will attack the police. You know, it's exactly the same as... It's the, it's, it's the Stonewall riots all over again. It's just in a different form. It's people attacking somebody because of either their beliefs or because of what you believe they do. So when you have people in the Stonewall riots, and I'll let you go and check the history of the Stonewall riots, because that was where the police attacked gay people in New York, and, uh, and the gays decided to take on the police. And won. It was quite interesting, actually. Now, of course, you know, strange to think, but there is actually a gay and lesbian police federation group. There's actually a whole group of, of gay police officers, because nobody can, nobody can discriminate against you nowadays. And yet still people will be attacked. You go to certain parts of the, uh, of the country, if you're a gay person, I should imagine it must be a nightmare. I knew some people who worked on a radio station donk- 30 years ago, 30 years ago, and they were gay. And I said to the people you work with, no, you're gay. Went, you're joking, of course. There was that much discrimination. There's still discrimination. We all discriminate against somebody. As I said on the television ages ago, we all, we're all different. We've all got different opinions. You know, you like somebody or you don't like. If you don't like them, is it because they're too fat, too thin, sticky out ears, spots, no hair, vastly overweight, they smell. You know, there's all sorts of different reasons why we don't like people. And then it comes down to we don't, I mean, most of the wars, as you know, in the world are caused by, caused by religion. God must be sitting up there, I don't know, juggling things around left, right and centre depending on whether you believe that there is a God up there. And if there is, how could he allow something like this to happen? And the simple truth of the matter is you believe in what you believe. It depends whether you take it too far. I've spoken to people who are what I would call religious fanatics. You know, they run their whole life around religion, and yet there's an undercurrent of depravity there. There is an undercurrent... I mean, I could tell you a story, but I can't, because it might identify this person. This, this, this person claimed to be... Um, very, very religious, and yet would spend most of their day looking at pornography. But they claim to be very, very religious. This was a married person with children. And you think to yourself, Is this, something's not quite right here. Are you lying to yourself? Or are you sort of trying to pretend that nobody will know about it? And it's, it's a bit too close to home to actually tell you more, any more information about it. But it's, it's one of those things. Once people get fanaticised about something, it takes over their whole life. And I don't equate this in any way, shape or form with, with anything else. But I've seen people... You can become fanatical about anything. You can become fanatical about selling. Do you remember years... In, I don't know if you remember years and years ago, but people got fanatical about pyramid selling. You know, the whole idea was, I buy a load of washing powder, and I then recruit people like the producer and that ten other people, and I sell them washing powder, and they sell it to their friends. And I've had friends of mine go along to some of these pyramid-selling things. They don't seem to have them so much nowadays. And they came back completely elated. They're prepared to mortgage the house, sell the cat, you know, push the grandmother on a boat to wherever, and, and buy as much washing powder as possible, because this was the way forward. There were certain schemes years ago where you could make loads of money. 
and and some people made money. The only people who made money were the people who thought of it in the first place. Everybody else, unfortunately, got absolutely nothing at all. Nothing at all. Glenn O'Glazers, the uh, political journalist, former Sky News political correspondent, is going to be with Nick Ferrari looking through the papers this morning. I don't know what they'll, they'll make of it. Probably exactly the same as, as we've made of it and you've made of it as well. It's that you don't know. It's that you, you feel... You feel kind of helpless because you don't know. Are there other are are people sitting up now in little pockets going, right, where are we going next? Let's cause, let's cause mayhem. You know, that's, and that's what's so terrible about it. I mean, I, I just feel as helpless as the next person. Like Lee said, he said, I don't feel. He said, um, you know, that I, I feel safe going out. But you can't let this thing defeat you. You cannot let this thing defeat you. You you know, we have to carry on going about our business. When we had the bombings in London, we carried on. That's what we do. You know, we'll happily stand there, there'll be something going on, and we stand there at a queue. Because we're not moving out the queue, because that's our place. So we stand it because the Brits queue. Nobody else in the world queues like, like the Brits. We'll stand there stoically by a bus stop, come rain or shine. Somebody pushes on, excuse me, hello? No, that's, that's, no, it's all right, okay, if you want to go on the bus first, that's fine. Somebody pushed on the other day. I nearly dragged him off the bus because he pushed in front of women. And I thought to myself, Are you, perhaps you haven't got any manners. Perhaps you were brought up in a stable or something, you know, and your closest friend was an ass because it certainly makes you look an ass. And he just barged on the bus in front of these women. I thought, God, at least I've got manners. At least I've got... I just got manners. Lee said to me, he said, the thing that worries me is that we, the taxpayer, will be funding their defence in court. I don't think they, they will bother with defence. I mean, I can't, I, I can't sort of say categorically they won't, but if they're prepared to stand there and say, film me, film me, admitting their guilt, you know, yes, I did this, why would, why would they bother lying in court? They're not going to change their, their opinion in court, get in there and go, well, I'm sorry, it's my basic human right. They've already admitted it. Nick says, I was listening to Ian Payne yesterday when all this happened and listened live to LBC for all my news coverage. The call Ian took was quite something. LBC showed its worth yesterday. Yes, it did, didn't it? I spoke to somebody else who said it. He said exactly the same. Exactly the same. Uh, interesting here. Somebody uh, says, so depressed to see what happened yesterday. Uh, my worry is how many other people uh, around who would be prepared to hold the same views. Oh, yes, Absolutely. The, of course, you know, by, of course, by the very nature of the fact that we're living in the capital with nine million people, you don't think there's just two fanatics out there. No, there be, be, you know, there could be thousands. We don't know. Well, we're hoping MI6 has got a rough idea, but quite clearly they didn't know in this case if two people can go out there with machetes and knives in their cars. Were they, we, we don't know if they were going out there to rob, if they were, you know, because you tend to find people like this generally thieve. They generally steal from other people. They're that low rent that they steal from other people. Did they see this bloke and all of a sudden something snapped? Who knows? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, you know, were they high on drugs? Are they druggies? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, all we know is that whatever would happen to them is no deterrent. Even if you brought back the death penalty tomorrow and said, right, you've admitted this, you've been found guilty, you're going to... They wouldn't care. Because in their minds, they believe that, it, you know, they then become martyrs. They go to a better place. Like the suicide bombers. They seriously believe these little children who get strapped up by grown men who couldn't do it themselves. They don't mind pushing somebody else out there. They believe that they're going to find all these virgins. Well, they're not. They're going straight to hell. But nobody tells them that. And they, I mean, I, I never quite understand how you can indoctrinate somebody that much and make them believe that you're going to find all these virgins in heaven. God doesn't want them in heaven. They're filth. He's not remotely interested in people like that. He's looking for, you know, he's looking for decent people, people who've contributed. 
you know, and I don't think these people contribute, but I don't think they're alone. And here, here for the scout leader, Luke says, uh, to be honest with you, I'm 26 today, but I wouldn't walk around London at night. And to be honest, there are parts I wouldn't walk around in the daytime. Yes, I mean, I, I also don't feel that safe in certain parts of London. I remember once I was going back, where have I been? I'd been out for a meal or something, and I'd parked my car to try and avoid getting a ticket um, down a side street off Oxford Street. And as I walked back to the car, and it was at night, it was about 11 o'clock, I could, out of the corner of my eye, you know when you catch sight of somebody behind you, I could see somebody who, who had crossed the road and was on the same side of the road as me, behind me. And then he called, he said, excuse me. And I thought, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. So I speeded up. Because you then get a bit panicky. I'm thinking, no, I'm not one of these people who goes, yeah, can I help you? I don't think so. And so luckily I got back to the car, but that time he'd obviously realised that I was prepared to outrun him. Not that I could have done, but, uh, you know, and your heart races. And you do feel like that in London. You shouldn't do. You should be able to walk out there and, and sort of feel some sense of pride that we're able to do that in our capital city. As they used to say at the end of Crime Watch, you know, sleep, sleep well tonight. And, you know, these are isolated incidents. This doesn't happen on a daily basis. It's an isolated incident. And we shouldn't let it affect the way that we go about our day-to-day life. For people in, uh, in Woolwich, though, things might be different. Till BC 97.3. Time 4.30. News headlines with Rupert Barton. Alan. Morning, 27 minutes to five. What a depressing day, honestly. What a day when you just, you know, you sort of, you look at your family around you and you think, there but for the grace of God go I. You know, and yet in Woolwich yesterday, it all changed in the, in the blink of an eye, went, and it all happened. Where you're now seeing a new, a new breed of fanatics, people who are prepared to kill on the streets in broad daylight and brag about it. That's how bad... We've seen, you know, gang-on-gang attacks in London. You know, you see people... We've had it, haven't we? People chased through stations and knifed. People stabbed, you know, 15-year-olds because they're in gangs. And I ask myself the question every time, and I don't think it's unfair to ask, where are their parents? Where are the parents of these people? You know, you're looking at this man on the front of the sun today. He could be 26, 27, something like that. Where who is parents? Who are they? You know, I tell you what, let's go around and make their life hell as well. The hell that he's put somebody else's family through. Because quite clearly he has no regard for either his parents or anything else. Does he have brothers? Are they, are they fanatics as well? It is just, it's a depressing start to a Thursday. It's a depressing start to any day. Yesterday was, you know, bad enough with people reliving it. But I tell you what was amazing was the amount of people who were coming on and talking about it, people who were, who were there as eyewitnesses. The other thing is, there's a woman pushing a, a trolley while this is gone, as if it's like an everyday thing. Oh, there's a body in the road, children. OK, let's keep pushing the trolley. Let's just ignore it. The fact that they, they tried to behead him is almost, you know... As I say, the, he's standing there holding the murder weapon. I'm assuming it's the murder weapon. I don't know many people who walk around with a bloodstained machete in London. And that's what's unusual about it. That's what everybody said... This is so unusual because normally these things happen. They might blow something up or set fire to something or stab somebody. This is like, yeah, I did it. I'm assuming he's a drug addict. I can't think of any other reason unless he's completely deranged and can be confined to a mental hospital for the rest of his life. But again, we have to keep this. Can we just give him something if he's found guilty at the end of the day? And frankly, he's admitted his guilt. Can't we just, you know, 
can't we sort of do something about things like this? Because there's no deterrent. I don't know how you would feel if this was your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your relative. How would you feel? I'm not sure I could be as forgiving as some people are in this day and age. Some people are very good about forgiving, aren't they? They're very good about it. Unfortunately, I would, I'm not that sort of person. I would think to myself, you have deprived my family of something that we deeply loved. And I'm going to make sure, if it takes me the end of my days, that you're going to pay for it. I'm sorry, I'd have to be like that. I, just, I couldn't, you know, it's, I just don't think that people have the right to take somebody else's life. If you're a soldier, that's different. That's what you go into, you know, into the business. You don't go in there to kill people. You go in there to keep law and order. If, you, if you're being fired at, if you're having to go to Afghanistan, and there was a case in the paper the other day, wasn't there? And it turns out that some of the soldiers have lied to get out there over the years. Nothing new. Years and years ago, we had lots of soldiers who lied to get out there, and when they finally got out to the front in the First World War, they suddenly realised this wasn't like a picnic. This was They had shell shock. Some of them went absent without leave, and they were brought back, and they were executed. We did it on the programme the other day. We told you about this book that's come out about all the young men who died because they went out there and they didn't know really what war was. And then you get two people here who appear to be having their own little war on the streets of Woolwich. Or wherever else. It doesn't have to be Woolwich. It could be anything else. The trouble is, the more the more of an affluent area it becomes, the more horrified. You know, if this had been Kensington or Knightsbridge or Richmond or somewhere like that, we'd be horrified. Going, really? God, this sort of thing should have been confined to the suburbs and it's moved in. But it's a new person. It's a new sort of person. No shame. Quite clearly either a druggie or somebody who's got one or two screws loose. Or in his case, all of his screws loose. And it's And it's just sad. That's the only way I can describe it. This this hollow, empty fear. And you feel the same. You feel exactly the same. The footage on TV, but uh, it was awful, says Patrick, made even worse by the way the woman with the shopping trolley casually walked by him. What is it with people? Londoners don't seem to care. They don't want to get involved. It took a Cub Scout leader to go down there and comfort this boy. Whether he was dead by that time, I have no idea. Either way, you could weep. You could absolutely weep. I mean, you're hoping that, you know, that she was comforting him in his last hours or something. That's, that's what you hope for. Nobody ever wants to sort of die alone, do they? Especially not in an unprovoked attack. He didn't provoke anybody. He didn't do anything at all. He's just walking down the street. Apparently it's not a, not a wealthy area, Woolwich. Well known for being dangerous after hours, Steve. OK, in daylight, though. And uh, 100% behind you says, Mick, did people think a film was being made? Well, that, I mean, you don't know. Do, is, is that, do you think that's why? Do you think because it was so horrendous that they thought, is somebody doing a film here? Because you, d- in London, I know it seems, seems ludicrous, but they do make films, and you don't know half the time, do you? You see people running around, and then you've got people filming it, and you think, what are they doing? And that's, I mean, I personally, would, I would want to stay as well away. I don't want to get involved in anything, because you don't know what these people have got. These people might have had guns as well. The police turned up. I don't know how long it was before the police turned up. I, I haven't got to that bit of the story. 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Jesus. 20 minutes it took them in Woolwich to get to a situation for the armed police. Oh, dear God. I mean, that's for the armed police. Blimey, 20 minutes. I mean, that is a long time, isn't it? Whichever way you look at it, you know, you can die in seconds on the street. I mean, I suppose the good thing is these two people didn't run away. They didn't run away. And so that's what. 20 minutes, though, seems a hell of a long time. Doesn't that then go with what we were talking about the other week, not necessarily on this programme, but other programmes as well, saying that we should have armed police on the streets. I remember going to Austria for the first time um, and getting off at the airport and seeing for the first time ever 
armed police standing there with machine guns at the at Vienna Airport. And I remember thinking then, I've never seen armed police at an airport before. Now, I do see it in London. I do see armed police walking around. 20 minutes seems an awful long time. We're not sure about the instant response. Because it's, you know, I mean, I don't know how far away the police station was. Either way, though, it's just... It is just so awful, isn't it? It's just so depressing. So depressing. It's on the front of all the pages and papers, and they've just gone pages and pages in, and then they're trying to sort of analyse it and trying to, to find out why something like this would happen. The other thing is that we lost the other day, and I did tweet it uh, because, I again, I, I know it pales into insignificance, doesn't it, when somebody, when somebody dies, but I, I was doing on Twitter, Richard Thorpe has died. Richard Thorpe was Alan Turner in Emmerdale, and he was on there. It's, he'd slowed down in recent years. He'd slowed down in recent years. He was 80-something, I think. And then Mick McManus died. I didn't even know Mick McManus was still alive. 93. 93. You know, that's what's amazing about it. So uh, wherever you two have gone, you did provide... I was speaking to a friend of mine about wrestling on television. And we both agreed that we used to watch it on Saturday but thought it was a load of old rubbish. Giant haystacks and Big Daddy who had all these following with all the kids and everything else. All the kids used to sort of be big fans of Big Daddy, whose real name was Shirley Crabtree. Giant Haystacks, who looks like Hagrid from the Harry Potter films. I'm not even sure. He might still be alive. But if Mick McManus got to 93, there must be something in it. Well done, well done. The, uh, let me just go back to this, uh, this story, which dominates everything and has since, since yesterday afternoon. Uh, the victim, thought to be uh, aged around... 20, had reportedly been on duty at an army recruitment office in central London and was on his way back to the barracks. It's emerged that passers-by went to the soldiers' aid. One of the killers ordered that only women could tend to the body, not men. And there are questions being asked why it took 20 minutes for armed police to arrive on the scene, during which time the killers calmly walked up and down the road, carrying their bloodied knives and pistol, and a pistol, whilst members of the public confronted them. When police did arrive, both gunmen tried to rush at the police and were shot reportedly by a female officer. But 20 minutes, that seems seems a long time, doesn't it? It does seem a long time. At one point, they say, uh, uh, one of the men shouted, uh, Alu Akbar, or God is great, while another witness said they appeared to pray next to the body. Uh, passers-by said they thought the attackers were trying to help the man who was wearing a Help for Heroes T-shirt and only realised they were killing him when they got closer. Uh, the unconfirmed report suggests he'd been beheaded. That was an unconfirmed report, and it stays that way as far well as I'm concerned. Don't even want to go down that route. I think it's just too awful to think of, I'm afraid. A um, lot of people saying exactly the same thing. You know, where do we go from here? Where do we go? Annie says, on a more cheerful note, as if there can be anything cheerful. There isn't anything cheerful. I don't know how I'm going to rescue myself out of this one this morning. There is nothing cheerful I can say about it. I can't say anything that makes anything better, apart from we just have to... We have to be strong. We have to go forward. You cannot go, well, that's... I mean, for elderly people, I mean, every time I used to read a story on LBC about, you know, an elderly person being attacked in their home, the more angry I used to get that somebody could actually go in and attack an elderly person. Somebody, you know, I mean, we had a case a short while ago, some poor woman who'd been through hell and back, and then, at the age of 80-something, some tow rag broke into her house and stole money from her and beat her to death at the same time. And you think, these people deserve better. This 20-year-old, this soldier who'd come from the recruitment office, he deserved better. He deserved better. He he didn't go into the forces to be murdered on the streets of London. None of them, 
you know, deserve to be murdered. But, you know, you can understand in a case of war, if you're in a war situation, people do die. They know that. They are prepared for it. Although how you prepare for it, I've got no idea. I've got friends, a friend of mine is currently uh, serving in the army and I know lots of, uh, lots of forces personnel. I don't know how you prepare for that. I'll be the one stuck behind a desk. You know, I wouldn't want to go out there because I'm not sure I could cope with seeing friends being blown up. You see it all the time, I'm afraid. Annie says it, uh, but the good news is, she says, next Wednesday at 11.40am on television, The Amazing Mr Blunden. It's the only thing that provides, provides a bit of light relief on the programme. It's the, it's the only thing that you, you think is there anything that's going to be... Ha- I don't want to get to that stage where I'm depressing myself because I started the programme being depressed and 45 minutes in, I'm still depressed. I haven't sort of changed my opinion on anything at all. I'm just grateful that I live in London and I'm grateful that 99.9% of you are, n- are decent, law-abiding people who just want to get on with their lives, go to work, come back, have dinner with the wife and the kids, and you worry. If I was a, if I was a parent and I had kids, I'd worry about them going out there. I'd worry, where are you going? And that's what, you know, we used to complain as kids, didn't we? Your parents would say, where are you going? I'm just going out. Where? Just out. I can remember standing there and fronting my, fronting my mother up. And she said, well, who are you going out with? I said, Terry. Terry who? Terry Hackwell. Because <laughs> Terry was one of my friends. And so I used to use him as an excuse. I mean, sometimes I didn't go and see Terry. I'd go and see other people. But it's just when your parents question you. You know, where you go? What time will you be back? Well, I don't. And at midnight. No, you'll make sure you're back here by 10 o'clock. And my mother would always sit up and wait till I got back in again. Because like any parent, she was concerned. Now, parents in the capital, I don't know what the crime rate is at the moment or how many young people have died on the streets, but we're seeing more gangs, more sort of people who belong to gangs, you know, the Hackney boys and all this bunch of fairies out there. You know, it just really annoys me. You know, the only gangs we had were the Ovaltinis. We never worried about that. I think I was a member of of a pet club or something, you know, and we shared pictures of a hamster, and that was about it. Because we didn't have the internet. So you actually had to go out and do something. We didn't have mobile phones. Now, you can... I can film on this phone. I can film things going on. And that's why the papers are full of these pictures of this man. He wanted to be filmed. He wanted to be his own little hero. And as I said before, there is no deterrent. There is nothing that you could do to this man. If you said you're going to be executed tomorrow, he wouldn't care. He's probably prepared for that. Unfortunately, though, what I would have done is, after he was shot by the police officer, I'd have let him just lie on the ground, I'm afraid. I wouldn't have bothered tending to him. Better things to do in life. No, you'll wait your turn. He's screaming in agony. Good. Screaming agony. I couldn't care less, I'm afraid. I'm a bit harsh like that. Quarter to five. This is LBC 97. Producer just says to me, you know, what are we going to do on the blog today? Because normally the Steve Allen blog on LBC is famous, A, because it's the most read blog, and B, because we always do something humorous. And I've said today we have to break with tradition. I don't normally do it, but I'm so depressed about things. Then he made myself cry then. I, um, I just said we have to sort of say, because it's such an unusual situation, this is, you know, this is the thing that we have to say today, and it's going to be... We send our, our condolences to the family of this young man. That's, that's all I can say to I can't. You can't sort of weave Kerry Katona into this one today, much as though we might try to try and think of some Jordans, but nothing fits in with it. Nothing goes there. Nothing, nothing is going to be the same for this family again. If ever you've been in that situation, you read about... It's not the same as having a, a son or daughter who's in the forces, who goes abroad and gets involved in war and gets, you know, blown up in Helmand province or attacked by something like that. This is something that is just totally unprovoked on the streets of London. And it's, it reminds me years ago, I'm old enough to remember, when the barracks in Hyde Park 
the bomb was set off there. And I remember seeing the pictures of carnage of the horses who were blown up and bodies of people all over the place. And that hit home as well. And I remember vowing then it's not going to stop us from going out. Because otherwise you wouldn't go anywhere, would you? You wouldn't go anywhere. You, you know, you'd be saying, no, there are these... But I'm not going to let these people beat us down. Sodom. I'm really not. I think we have to just be very strong. And that's why today's blog, I'm afraid, is... is well, not I'm afraid. I'm not afraid at all. I'm not afraid of saying to a family, listen, we're all thinking about you because we can only imagine the horror that you must be going through. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing. And that's why I guarantee you, for this funeral of this boy... There will be everybody from every part of the community, Muslim, Jewish, everybody. They'll all be there because 99.999 recurring percent of Muslims are totally against these crackpots. These people haven't got a brain cell between them, but they can take people's lives because they've got machetes. And he had a gun as well. You know, it's, it's just, just awful. Oh, dear. Uh, other stories in the papers today, as if there were other stories in the papers. There are. There are a few things. They were talking about the Xbox, which we were talking about yesterday. And uh, how much did MPs spend on booze? I only mention it because booze is very topical at the moment, as uh, people are saying they, they should have closed down the House of Commons bar. And I said last week on the programme, no, the House of Commons bar is absolutely ne- necessary for MPs. It's where they meet at the end of the day. It's very nice. You know, we have bars around here at the end of our working day. Some people go out of here and they go and have a a drink in a bar and chat over and just unwind after the day. MPs do exactly the same. It's just that they don't have to leave the premises. They don't have to leave the Palace of Westminster because the bars are there and they can go. Well, apparently, they downed more than a quarter of a million pounds worth of booze last year. Doesn't seem very much at all, does it, really, when you consider how many MPs there are and how much money is, uh, is floating around. Uh, the X Factor judges, just to really depress you, are going to be earning some serious money. Simon Cowell's company can afford to spend a lot. Apparently not in the Dancing on Ice, where they can't afford to spend very much. And as I pointed out yesterday, I'd forgotten how much that programme has cost. By the time you've got Philip hardly ever working Schofield, and ITV really need to pull their fingers out and get him some gigs. Uh, Holly Willoughby moved over to The Voice for 400,000 quid, so assume then that she couldn't earn that with Dancing on Ice. Christine, hi you, bleakly, whose uh, career now is completely dropped dead, I'm afraid. It's, it's just gone completely. She's uh, coming to the end of this £4 million golden handshake thing. Why anybody ever thought that Christine, hi you, bleakly, was going to be the saviour of ITV? I've got no idea. She was dire on the one show... It was, the only reason the one show was reasonably successful is because we were looking for a replacement for Paul O'Grady. Now Paul O'Grady's coming back, you don't need the one show. And the presenters are so goddamn awful. Christine Bleakley, they went, oh, let's, let's, let's get her for breakfast, assuming somebody in their tiny mind decided that because she was popular on a show that was on at a time where it was just a free plug show for everybody to go on and them to fawn all over. I mean, her and Adrian Childs, I mean, it was like the Mogadon team. You know, you sat there and you really wanted to go straight to sleep. He looked like he was asleep half the time, poor soul. Anyway, somebody paid them an arm and a leg. And uh, they put him on breakfast television and the rest, they say, was a disaster. It really was a total disaster. They had no chemistry. They, you know, we, we don't want fakeness first thing in the morning, I'm afraid. We don't want people sitting there grinning going, hiya. You know, it's not like that. You know, it's bad enough watching Philip Schofield on this morning alternating between a competition to win £35,000 and sort of uh, and cot death. You know, it's, it's a thin lie, but they have to do it because that's what makes the money. So over on the X Factor, they're spending, on the judges, £6 million. Nicole Scherzinger, £1.5 million. 
Don't let anybody ever tell you there's no money in television. Gary Barlow, one and a half million. He doesn't need the money. Um, hopefully he's sorted his tax affairs out. And Sharon, Sharon Osborne, back from the from the dead, as they say, one and a half million pounds plus a £300,000 hotel and flight deal. So, in other words, when she's here, she'll live in a hotel. Can't be much fun. They have to sort of float around all over the place. And, and Louis Walsh, only a million. He's never, he's never asked for any more. He says, listen, I'm more than happy with that. And I should imagine... Very... You think, actually, out of the goodness of Simon's card, he said, no, I'm going to give you more. You're going to get the same as everybody else, because he's, he's as entitled to it as, as Nicole Scherzinger. And probably not Sharon Osborne. She probably comes with a bit more pedigree. And Gary Barlow as well, who really doesn't need the money. I was thinking, driving in, about the Beckhams. And they've got this fortune of 175 million. I thought, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine last night about security, about security for the future. And that's all you want, isn't it? You want to, to win some money so that you've got that security. And the Beckhams have got that in spades by the look of it. You know, the, the kids are going to be set up for life. They're not ever going to need to have to worry about money, which is, uh, which is good news. That's all people do. People work. And that's why you should never let anything sort of put you off getting up and going into work. During all the bombings in London, there's people listening at the moment of a certain age. You went there, didn't you? You got up, you went to, you know, you took your gas mask and everything else and you picked your way through the rubble and you went to work because that's what we do. Gavin says it's not just London, which is scary. The world we live in. My son uh, is scared watching it and said he doesn't want to be an army cadet anymore. Oh, no, I'd never d- stop anybody being an army cadet. Never. In fact, they've just got a big recruitment drive on at, uh, at the moment, which is the, the kind of thing that, uh, that people want to, uh, to get involved with. 84850, uh You're right about going out at night, says Patrick. Two years ago, I was hospitalised for five days by two thugs, and the other night I had a laser shone in my eyes from some idiot in a car. As for the two in Woolwich, they're subhuman. If they think it's normal to do what they did, they leave us all feeling very sick. Yes, and immensely sorry for the family. Immensely sorry for the family of the young man who died. Twenty. It's nothing, is it? It's nothing. Rest assured, he's going straight to heaven. They, of course, and I hope they die horribly screaming, will go straight to hell. Uh, 84850-steveatlbc.co.uk. Everything we weave in on the programme for this morning. Um, I was talking about Little Chefs yesterday, and Bill says, apparently, you've not been on the A1. There's nothing but Little... I wouldn't go on the A1. Earthworm would have gone on the A1 before. But apparently, Little Chefs are everywhere. I thought they'd closed. Didn't, was it Heston Blumenthal or somebody else who, who tried to get the Little Chefs saved? I did used to like their breakfast. I know everybody else thought they were dreadful, but there was, there was one down the road from my godchildren. Uh, Steve says, Simon, the uh, estates of Woolwich are very rough. And uh, I couldn't believe the local Labour MP, who said there's not a big problem with crime in the Woolwich area. Many people blame the Labour Party's open-door policy for many problems in the area. Well, it's, is, it, is it one of those things where they just shove people in there and they just leave them to get on with it? Perhaps that's, perhaps that's the way. Uh, I'm currently in Las Vegas... Heard the horrendous news via the LBC app, says Martin, whilst lying by the pool. You can tell who the Brits are out here because they're very quiet and sombre, but also very angry. As a nation, we've sunk to a new low, but right now the thoughts and prayers are with the victim's family. Oh, it's just too awful for words, isn't it? I'm wearing my Help for Heroes band today. I put it on deliberately this morning. I put it on deliberately. It made me feel a bit better about life. I feel that, you know, we shouldn't uh, have to sort of kowtow to these people. Eight four eight five O. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, eight f- oh, wait a minute, sorry. <laughs> Someone's creating a jingle, which is very nice indeed. Thank you. Um, um, 
The the problem, you're missing the point, says Lisa. I never miss the point, Lisa. Uh, it's not about the fact that Woolwich is a deprived area. I never said it was. She said, this could have happened anywhere. That's what I said. It could have happened anywhere. That's exactly what I said. You're not listening properly. I do hate it when people don't listen properly. It really annoys me, actually, because uh, it shows great ignorance. But that's exactly what I said. It could happen anywhere. It doesn't matter whether it happened on the streets of Woolwich. It really, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. Sorry, what did you say? Let's... New text. What about new text? Oh, right. There's some new text. Oh, right. Sorry. I'm trying to get through as many as possible, actually. It's just, it's a bit difficult. It's getting worrying with all the police stations closing if it takes 20 minutes to get there, says Chris. Well, I mean, and, and Joey said 20 minutes is ages. It is. It's a lifetime. I thought response was quick. I don't know why it was, it was 20 minutes. I don't know why it took that long. I mean, have they closed the police station in Woolwich? I know around our way they have, and some of them are just sort of drop-in police stations, but I still think the police will be there inside 20 minutes. We've got a very active police station. Uh, I'm so confused as to why one human would do this to another person. I can't find the words to explain it to myself, let alone my son. Significant cuts have been made to the Met Police, which is stupid. Of all the public sector, the police should not have it cut. Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, listen, I'm all in favour. I'm all in favour of a bigger police force. We all know, we all know, don't we, that you go out there on the streets. You don't often see police officers. We seem to have a fair number in Twickenham, because I think what they do is they send them there to train and so we see lots of them walking around in twos. Admittedly, one of them looks about 12. I seriously looked at him the other day, and I was so tempted to say, how old are you? <laughs> you know, you look about 12 or 13. But then I thought to myself, you know what some of these little plastic policemen are like? They get a bit uppity. So I, didn't, I, I thought I wouldn't bother. I just looked at him thinking, does your uniform fit? My son's going to Kew Gardens today, says Vicky. I feel sad that I'm even thinking of not letting him go on the bus from Kingston. So scary as a mum. No, we should we shouldn't we shouldn't worry about things like that. You just you, you go on there. You just listen. It can happen anywhere. I could walk out of here this morning and get run over by a cyclist. It's as simple as that. Joe says sounds horrible. Uh, I just hope that when he got knocked down by the car, that killed him there and then. He didn't know anything else. I don't think it did. I'm afraid. I don't think it uh, did. The rest of it, as I say, is uh, is in graphic pictures in the papers. For today, what we'll do, we'll take a short break for the news, the other side of that. Um, another depressing story, but in court, 31 years after the IRA killed the four soldiers and uh, seven horses, there's a man up on a, on a charge after 31 years, which is what we were talking about uh, a moment ago. And a, and a teenager was hauled into court after raiding a pal's savings on an online game. He raided his savings on an online game, which I think is a, a fairly good thing. Plus, um, I'm, I'm debating whether I lighten your load this morning and uh, just provide you with a little bit of light relief and give you a, a competition. And I'm thinking about that one. I'm thinking about it over the news. I'm thinking about it over the news. And the reason I'm thinking about it is because today's uh, competition prize in the Gadget Giveaway is, uh, is one of those iPad tablets, which means that you can pick up the news really quickly, you can download the LBC app, you can get everything streaming to it, and it's one way of keeping in touch with everybody, so it's ideal for, for young people who want to keep in touch with those people at home, you could sort of put it down as, a, as an extra piece of crime-fighting equipment, if you like. News at five, though, is next. Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past five, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast, somewhat different programme today, different tone for today because uh, our hearts go out to the family of the young man who lost his life in 
in Woolwich in broad daylight on the streets, as you've heard on the news. I don't need to repeat. You've been hearing it on LBC since yesterday afternoon. And uh, this morning, I suppose, the, the true horror of what happened. You know, they were hacking away at him. And it's just, it's just a terrible way to end your life. I don't care, you know, who it is. It makes no difference to me. I'm not bothered about religion. I'm not bothered about colour. I'm not bothered about ethnicity. It's just the fact that somebody has lost their life on the streets of London. And two people have, uh, have asked to be photographed. You know, quite clearly, they're either mentally ill or they're on drugs. I can't think of any other reason why you'd want to go out and do something like this. There is no reason. I don't mind people protesting about something and people having a thought on it. But to take somebody's life, somebody you don't even know, some perfectly innocent stranger, they know nothing about him whatsoever. And as I said at the beginning of the programme, I've never started a show feeling so depressed about everything and thinking, no, snap out of it. We've got to snap out of it. Even Mark says, you know, the government have got to wake up and... And stop with all this human rights waffle. I mean, no, we are the only country, aren't we, in the world? We have convicted paedophiles. We had a man in the paper the other day, did we not, who murdered 400 people with machetes. And we've given him asylum in this country. And we can't get rid of him because of his human rights. And I'm beginning to think, stuff human rights, I'm afraid, out the window for these sort of people. Send them back where they came from. So they're going to lose their life. That's their problem. Nothing to do with me. We don't want people like that in our And we're paying for them. Even worse, the people of Woolwich must be horrified today, and there's people standing over. But I can only hope, and I know it sounds so trite to say it, that uh, after he was under the wheels of the car, then perhaps he was dead by that that time. You could, that's you can, the only thing you can hope for, because the rest of it is just too too awful to uh, to think of. They've done some nice tributes in the paper today to him, and they've done tributes to the Emmerdale veteran, who's died at 81, Richard Thorpe. He joined in... Uh, God, years and years ago, it seems now. He used to run the wool pack, and, and he went on. And then in, in sort of latter, in latter years, they had him sitting down more and more, because obviously, ty- you know, it was getting a bit tiring for him. And he was 81. He looked a good 81, didn't he? Good 81. And then, of course, there was Mick McManus, who's died at the age of 93. I mean, he passed away at his Kent home. He was a national icon. He was probably the biggest wrestling name in the UK that we've ever had or have again. Uh, he claimed to number Margaret Thatcher, the Beatles and the Duke of Edinburgh among his fans. I can remember. We used to, many of you used to watch, didn't they, uh, the wrestling on the Saturday afternoon on the television. Uh, there's also Carol Vorderman. You can't keep her out of the newspapers, can you, really? And here she is showing off a leopard print dress. And, uh, as I say, it's, uh, to be honest with you, I'm a bit bored sometimes with her. A bit bored. There's just too much publicity and not very much substance. She was only the girl who did the numbers on Countdown. She was never anything else. It was never any, anything more than that. There's also a soft-touch judge in the papers today, and this is where I think we go so far wrong. He's allowed a career criminal to walk free because he could see green shoots of a change in his behaviour. Burglar Vernon Davies, who's 46, has spent uh, has 19 previous convictions and has spent much of his adult life in prison. He uh, broke into a hair salon... He stole nearly £5,000 in cash and televisions. What hairdressing salon has £5,000 in cash? Dear Lord. And anyway, the uh, burglary came months after he was released early from prison. He quite clearly likes prison. He, want, he wants to go to prison. He wants to go there. There's a, a wonder pill, which they say could halt dementia. And dementia has been very much at the top of the agenda for, for quite a long time now. They've tried it, and they say that uh, this drug could dramatically slow down the ravages of the disease. They've been trying it at uh, different centres across Britain, Manchester, Bradford, Blackpool and Cannock, Staffordshire. And it's a twice-daily tablet called 
LMTX. If it's successful uh, after this uh, trialling, it could be available in three to four years. I'm not sure people can wait that long, can they really? I mean, stopping Alzheimer's from ever developing is seen as the holy grail of tackling the disease. If it's effective, people could take LMTX daily from the age of 60 to prevent getting dementia at all. Because it's the, it's, the, it's the mind, isn't it? The worst thing is that dementia, and I heard somebody talk about it yesterday, they made it sound awful. I was listening to the radio and they were talking about dementia and saying how, how difficult it is. People who've got dementia, the frustration that they go through, and the families as well, because if, if you've got dementia, there is, you believe you're doing something. So if you're out driving the car and you're driving on the wrong side of the road, you believe you're driving on the right side of the road. If I say this, this, this rose is red and you've got dementia, you might see white. And you go, it's white, and you'll argue till you're blue in the face. So that's why it's terrible. But so they're actually trying this wonder pill out on people now, but it won't be commercially available for three or four years. I think they'll just give it to everybody, but I suppose they have to watch for the side effects, and they've said to people, listen, you know, there could be, could be side effects on it, and let's see what happens. Uh, Mark in Brentwood uh, says, you know, my heart goes out to the family of the boy who lost his life. Absolutely for all of us, and no doubt you'll be seeing later on today... Um, you know, the family will probably make some some comments. That's going to break your heart as well, I'm afraid. Terrible for them. Uh, I live very nearby and uh, in Woolwich, and the police station is less than 60 seconds away by blue light. And you could walk there in four to five minutes. You can Google it on Street View. The incident took place at the junction of John Wilson Street, an arterial place. And the police station is Woolwich in Market Street. All in all, South East 18. They could have crawled there quicker, says Rob. Because we're trying to work out why... But that was the response unit, wasn't it? We don't know how long the police took to get there, but the armed response unit was 20 minutes. Perhaps they were... I don't know. That were, I don't know why. They, perhaps they were deployed to something else. I'm never too sure, actually. Uh, this happened where thousands of great Woolwich people came out and supported and cheered all the marathon runners in April. That's my experience of the area every year, says Gareth. The overall community will pull together and become stronger. I do hope so. I'm sure they will. I, I know it's the, uh, the line, isn't it, with news. They say, oh, today, you know, it's news, tomorrow it's fish and chip paper. That'll be it. We, we tend to forget very quickly, but I don't think we'll ever forget these images and the papers and the images that are on the LBC website. You won't forget those in a hurry. You really won't. Uh, Neil says, what's happening to our country? I sat watching the news last night, not believing what I was seeing. Not a report from the back of beyond, but one from our, on our doorstep. Civilised South London. Unbelievable. Sickening, barbaric. No human should be treated the way this poor man was. In our country, we take pride in allowing free speech to everybody that lives here. I hope that we hear senior Muslim leaders condemning this sick act. It leaves you cold that somebody could do this to a fellow living person. That's the thing I thought of. How could you ever do it to somebody? And especially somebody you don't even know. A young man. You know, it's, it's just, it's beyond belief, isn't it? It is absolutely beyond belief. Um, somebody else who says, I've lived in Woolwich for 40 years, Steve. Uh, the police station the police came from was Greenwich, which is five minutes away from the scene of the crime. So I don't know why they took 20 minutes. Woolwich also used to be a nice area, but now they've moved so many people into Woolwich. It's a bit like Deptford and New Cross. There's lots of heroin drug gangs. There's always shootings in Woolwich over drugs that are not reported in the news. My family have lived in Woolwich for about 60 years, but we're moving from there now. We just don't want to be there anymore. I feel sick to my stomach over this. That's why I'm writing to you. I just couldn't sleep from thinking about it and getting angry. It's the anger, isn't it? It's the anger. It's the annoyance. It's the fact that it's happened, you know, on your own territory. It's the fact that somebody could desecrate the streets and let them run with blood. That's what's so awful about it. That's the kind of thing that that, that we sort of 
worry about, and we've had loads of people writing in this morning saying they're actually frightened to go out. You know, if you've got children, you must be thinking, what kind of world are we leaving them? What kind of world? You know, it's far from getting better, it seems it's getting worse, but we mustn't let it get like that. We must never, ever let these people take over our lives. Let them have their little rants. You know, let's lock them up if necessary. Let's deport them. Let's do something. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. There isn't any answer, is there? Because they don't care. They're not remotely bothered by it. So, uh, uh, Daniel, you know, I, I, I sort of, I, I worry the same as you do. I live in the capital. I work in the capital. I do it every day. And some days you feel safe walking through the square and some days you don't feel safe walking through the square. And I try and avoid things like that. Uh, Steve, why did nobody call the ambulance straight away rather than uh, filming it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure somebody must have phoned the ambulance. You know, there were loads of people around. It's just that some people... I think some people thought it was they were filming a gangster movie or something until they got closer and sort of realised. Dean says the regular police got there in four minutes. It was 20 minutes for the armed police, which is what we said before. Uh, One here says, I have two Help for Heroes bands, which I wear all the time with pride. I have the utmost respect for our troops and the police. What happened yesterday was sickening. My heart goes out to his loved ones. Um... One here from Kevin, the milkman, who says the barbarians who murdered the soldier yesterday just hid behind Islam to make their warped political point. They wanted to be shot and become martyrs. It's a testament to London that the streets were not filled with anti-Islam protesters, as we know religion was not the real reason for this awful attack. Thoughts go out to the family. It is sad, isn't it? It really is sad in this day and age that we've, we're sort of reporting these, these dreadful, dreadful crimes. Diana says, I can't say good morning... I had no idea what you were talking about when I switched on earlier, so I had to text Paul in Manchester to find out. I don't know how I missed it all. I know, I mean, I, I heard about it yesterday, and it's just, it's built now, because now the papers have got these images. And that's the, that's the worrying thing. Somebody who doesn't care. Somebody who doesn't care. Although, at least, on the front of the Express, they do put a picture of uh, Kate, Kate Middleton, uh, just so chirpy they say, in canary yellow. And it's kind of a picture that makes you smile a little bit, and there's not much to smile about today, is there? Uh, Our reporter Tom Swarbrick will be down at the scene for Nick Ferrari. And uh, there is no call Clegg today, although we will have comment from Nick Clegg a little bit later on. There's no call Clegg as such. So we will be having uh, comment from him a little bit later on. We'll be talking to a a machete expert. I didn't realise you could still buy machetes. I'm, I mean, I must be incredibly... It's only because I'm not remotely interested in, in this kind of thing. Uh, we'll be talking to the crime editor of The Times about how the police handled it. Was it, was it done in, in, the, in the right possible way? And also, Woolwich is at the start of homegrown terrorism, which is what we've been saying all the time. These people who were arrested the other week for a separate offence and went to prison, they never left the country. All the stuff they learned about terrorism, they learnt here. Quarter past five. News headlines with Dan Whitehead. David Cameron will chair the government's emergency response. Nice to have your company. Nice to have anybody's company, I suppose, at uh, this depressing day. And a depressing day it has been, I'm afraid. But at least people are talking about it. Paul in Manchesterford says thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of that poor lad. And well done to all of the LBC team for their thoughtful, respectful coverage of this sad event. We can only hope and pray the people concerned are speedily brought to justice over it. As you say, we carry on. We must not be intimidated by them. Not easy. You mentioned already today the loss of Mick and also of Richard. I was only watching him the other day in The Dam Busters. I always thought a much underrated actor. There was sadly a third gentleman also left us yesterday, Brian Greenhoff, the Man United, an England player who passed away at his Rochdale home at the age of only 60. 
He says, I haven't anything funny or flippant to say today, like yourself, a first for me. It's a first for me. It's a first for me. I've, I can't think of anything funny and flippant today. I'll just keep thinking about that poor family whose life is, is now in tatters. You know, we don't know anything about them. But we will do. I bet you anything, by tomorrow morning the papers will be full of his family saying what a nice person he was and how wonderful and... And, and that will make us feel even worse, won't it? The other story which is uh, running in the paper today, I've, I've often spoken, every time the Madeleine McCann story rears its head again, I've often said, it isn't just Madeleine McCann, there are, you know, loads of other children who disappear every year. And now they've got uh, the full scale of child abduction by strangers in Britain. How many children do you think were snatched last year? 273. 273 children were snatched the other year. There were 592 cases involving 675 victims. I mean, a lot of these attempted abductions go unreported. And so nobody ever talks about it. I'm I'm not not wild about talking about it myself, but I, I have said... I mean, these were people who were targeted by predators. They didn't even know... This isn't, this isn't families taking them back after families have split up and we've had horrible stories of, you know, kids who've been the subject of a divorce and then the father's come back, as you had indeed the other day in France, uh, takes them out to Biden Suites and goes back and kills them. And that, you think, is just the most dreadful thing. I mean, this is somebody who's mentally ill. It's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, you don't want to read about in the papers. And so when you read that 273 kids are snatched in a year, you suddenly realise the scale of it. You know, Madeleine McCann was just one person, however many years ago it was now, seven years ago. Terrible, terrible. Really is. There's also a dad who put, um, uh, who put a secret camera in his kitchen because he thought his house was haunted. And he rumbled his lover having sex with his teenage son. It's enough to sort of freak you out, isn't it, I'm afraid. So uh, far from having... Because you know ghosts don't exist. We have to kind of dispel that mess. I, I know it keeps Yvette Fielding going and sort of provides her in air rollers or whatever it is she has. I love the story of the first edition of Harry Potter, which sold for, what was it the other day? £150,000. It had notes inside. One-of-a-kind copy, handwritten notes by the author, a 43-page commentary and 22 original illustrations. It was published in 1997, went on to give uh, Rowling worldwide fame. So uh, it's not £150,000. We used to have a, a, a film, uh, sorry, um, a theatre critic on LBC years ago, and he had a, a book collection, and it was many first editions signed by the authors. Always worth having, if you can get a first edition. Just over here, just at, I always call it Diagon Alley. Or do, is, what's that place in the Harry Potter films? Diagon Alley. Just over, it's exactly like that, because it's got all these old shops, and many of them sell first edition books, and you can go over there, and you, they don't have any prices on them. You have to go into the shop. It's really embarrassing, because you go in the shop, and I can tell you now that most first edition books they're selling over there are about £250. Don't you wish you'd kept all your books now? All those books from childhood that you used and thumbed, and sort of, you know, the pages ripped and stuff like that. You never thought about it. No, what they're looking at now is books that are in perfect condition. And they go for 250 quid. I've seen quite a few over there that I thought I'd love to buy that one. A couple of Paddington Bear first editions. I thought my brother would love that. I thought, it's 250 pounds. Much as I love my brother, I don't love him that much. Not the kind of thing you're going to spend money on. But it's an investment, isn't it? It's an investment, so people, people like things like that. Um, um, 
Richard says this atrocity is yet another good reason for police officers to be routinely armed, as they are in 96% of the civilised world. Yes, I mean, it, it certainly would have helped a situation, wouldn't it? It certainly would have helped a situation. The thing I can't really help you with today is the weather. I'm, I'm hoping that I can tell you that it's going to be lovely. But it's not, I'm afraid. The weather is in keeping with the mood, I'm afraid. Rather cloudy. Occasional sunny interval. Showers spreading southwards later. Feeling chilly in the wind. The high 11 degrees centigrade. Currently it's 7, so it's going to be chillier than yesterday. Not good. Tonight, cloudy. Few scattered showers. And tomorrow, start of the weekend. Start of the bank holiday weekend. You must enjoy it. Cloudy and quite cool with rain at times. Occasional heavy. Very breezy. I can bring you no... I feel so depressed that I can't even bring you a crumb of comfort today. And then I thought, well, I, I can bring you the, uh, the gadget giveaway. And the reason I, I'm going with the gadget giveaway is because it's an Apple iPad Mini. And I thought, if ever there was a time that you want to keep up with the news on the move, you can put the LBC app on there, and, uh, and, and then you can keep in touch with everything that's going on. Because I think yesterday LBC excelled itself... And so I think I should offer it to you today, because it was Pat Irish from Hornchurch. Morning, Pat, who got uh, yesterday the Android tablet. You'll love it, I promise you. I don't know how old you are, Pat, but I'm, I'm guessing over 35. She guessed and identified correctly. 520 weeks in a decade. 520 weeks in a decade. So she got the Android tablet yesterday. Today, the Apple iPad Mini. This is very useful if you're going out and about, you can send texts, you can, you can just do just about everything with it. And all I need to know now, they've really excelled themselves in the, in the question department. How many months are there in a century? God. How many months are there in a century? Don't get it wrong, please. Makes you look silly. You text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer and send it to 84850. So gadget... Then the answer to how many months are there in a century and send it to 84850. Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time of 6.30, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So how many months are there in a century? How many months in a century? Gadget. Then your answer, and then send it to 84850. And who knows, it could be your name we're reading out tomorrow morning on the programme, just to kind of put a smile on somebody's face. We need some smiles, we need some laughs, and there ain't much to laugh about at the moment, I'm afraid. So uh, after Pat Irish from Hornchurch got herself the fabulous Android tablet, um, I'm hoping that it's your name I read out tomorrow as the winner of the Apple iPad Mini which is lovely for keeping in touch and, and sending texts around the world and doing all your, all your usual stuff. So why not to give that uh, a go today? might cheer you up a little bit, especially if you get the phone call at 6.30. You will be a very, very happy person, will you not? Uh, all the pa- Strangely enough, all the papers are full. They're, they're sort of pre-empting the fact that the weather's going to be good, so they're telling you how to do barbecue, whereas the weather for the weekend is atrocious, I'm afraid. Uh, by the way, you've had um, a reality show made in Chelsea... You've had Made in Essex, which is so boring, I'm afraid, now. What do you think the latest one is going to be? Made in Brixton. They're going to do Made in Brixton. It's going to be a television programme. The TV producers are putting together a show based on the lives of 20-somethings living in the tough South London area. It promises to be a world away from the prima donnas of Essex and the rich mummies boys from Chelsea. Well, they're not all rich mummies boys in Chelsea. Some are... 
Oh, I tell a lie, actually. They're all rich mummies, boys in Chelsea. But uh, they're not so much prima donnas in Essex. They're more sort of bad drag, I'm afraid. You know, the women all look like bad drag. And they're all sitting there with their fake eyelashes on. In fact, there was some woman in the bath the other day, in the bath with fake eyelashes on. So you knew it was, it was a lot of fake. But whether or not Made in Brixton is going to be the answer to a TV show. Perhaps they're going to put it on uh, in replacement for the Dancing on Ice, which is going. Not before time. Uh, even though I thought it did okay in the ratings. I don't think it was it was that bad at all, but perhaps they've obviously decided we need to save some money, so they're axing it. I would love to find out uh, in advance who the celebrities are. The uh, the final bunch of celebrities, we go, who on earth is that? As we have no idea at all. We always try and guess, don't we, on the celebrity front. Who are they doing? Uh, good to hear your reassuring voice this morning, says Joe, after these horrific events. And uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to that soldier and his family. Uh, I concur with uh, with Paul. Well done to LBC for the respectful, sensitive coverage in all the shows since the story broke, especially Ian Dale and Ian Collins. Yes, I mean, it's, it's never easy to do stuff like that, is it? It's never, never easy at all. Uh, listening abroad, says Natasha, the hero of the story, no doubt, the policewoman whose quick, decisive action perhaps spared more catastrophe. Only this branch... Of, uh, of Islam. You know, these people who obviously do a different interpretation from everybody else, 99.9% of uh, Muslims are saying they don't want anything to do with these sort of people. And it, it just makes you wonder what they're reading. Because it's certainly not the, uh, not the, uh, the same as everybody else. They're not all singing from the same hymn sheet. And that's the problem, I'm afraid. That is the problem. And it's, it's certainly not isolated. I don't think it's isolated in, in London. It could have happened anywhere, this. It could have, you know, and we would be as shocked... Where it, you know, wherever it happened, it wouldn't have made any difference whether it happened in your road or my road or somebody else's road. It could have happened anywhere. It was just unfortunate that it happened in Woolwich and places Woolwich on the map for all the, all the wrong reasons. Uh, a lot of people still asking the question why it took 20 minutes. I don't know. Hopefully we'll have answers later on today. Hopefully Nick Ferrari will get some answers. Uh, Ian says, my main concerns about uh, the events are reprisals against the Muslim community. I don't think there will be. I think people are a bit too sensible for things like that. They realise that this has got nothing to do with the Muslim community. This is to do with fanatics. They're nothing to do with the Muslim community. As I said a minute ago, they're not even reading from the same hymn sheet, I'm afraid. Uh, Lisa and Antrim said I was uh, very shocked by it. And uh, Pat, he says, I thought armed response units were centrally based, not reliant on local police stations being open. I don't know where the armed response units come from. I don't know whether they came from the police station or whether or not. I mean, I suppose it is that old argument, isn't it? Should we have armed police officers all the time in London? And the answer is probably yes. Probably yes to deal with things like this. But just remember, these are isolated incidents. Isolated. No matter how atrocious, they're isolated. It's 5.30. Steve Allen. You have to laugh when you watch The Apprentice. The only thing that actually provides me with a decent laugh on the television nowadays is to watch The Deluded. And they managed to get rid of somebody the other day called Uzma Yakub, um, who she said she didn't mind being fired from The Apprentice, because to be honest with you, she didn't have the faintest idea what was going on. I mean, she wasn't really in the real world. Uh, she said, but people com- compared me to a drag act. I don't know, it's quite a compliment, actually, dear, that you look like a bad drag act. I've never actually seen anybody with such bad fake hair and such bad makeup. In fact, most of the girls on The Apprentice, and the boys as well, seem to be sporting the most peculiar makeup. I can't quite work out whether or not they spend more time doing that. Certainly, n- nobody gets on with each other, but they all claim that they're wonderful. And uh, she says here, I think we could have conquered the makeup industry and given L'Oreal and Estee Lauder a run for their money. 
In your dreams, love. In your dreams. That's how deluded they are. Talking of deluded, I'm sorry to mention uh, the uh, fact this morning that Joey Essex, uh, this is the strange but stupid boy, the one whose brain cell appears to be elsewhere in his body, threatened to quit the show unless he got an enhanced deal. Bye-bye. Off you go. Goodbye. Um, Joey has become one of the biggest stars of The Only Way is Essex. He doesn't actually have a job, though, does he? He has a little clothing shop, which I believe he's not in most of the time. And, uh, and he's married, he's going to get engaged to Sam for Ears in Dubai at the end of the last series. That's what they did. She's the one, of course, with the stepfather who spends a lot of time residing at Her Majesty's Pleasure. And uh, then they hoped they would get hitched. And uh, he says he wanted to get more money. And, uh, and they went, no. <laughs> Nobody's bigger than the show. You know, you want to start pushing it, matey? Off you go. And without the show, nothing. Nothing. He would disappear completely. He is a little bit too stupid. He can't help it. I think they'd be well suited. They're both as dim as planks, I'm afraid. And so uh, the sooner that happens, the better. In fact, I think that they should do that. The moment people start holding them to ransom, I think, on these programmes, we, uh, we then go, I'll tell you what, then, off you go. Because we've seen the other ones disappear without trace, haven't we? I mean, Amy Childs can barely get arrested at the moment. It's very embarrassing. And uh, then there's been a, a few other people, and they've disappeared. Because without the publicity machine... Nothing happens. Nothing happens. It happens on LBC. That's certainly been happening in the last 24 hours. The LBC gadget giveaway for this morning is uh, very media-friendly, very media-savvy this today. If you want to keep up to date, you can download the LBC app onto it. And that way, it doesn't matter where you are, you'll never miss a news story. Pat Irish from Hornchurch got the prize yesterday, the Android tablet. Today, it's the Apple iPad Mini. And you can get your hands on it by 6.30 this morning, which is when the competition closes. And the answer we're looking for is this. How many months are there in a century? How many months in a century? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850. So how many months in a century? You text the word gadget, and then your answer, and then you send it to 84850. Got to be here by 6.30 this morning. You've got under the hour Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions are online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck for that one, because it will keep you in touch, and then you, you won't have to rely all the, the time on the fact that you can't get near, uh, near a radio. You can actually uh, pick it up on the Apple iPad Mini, so give it a whirl. More of your uh, texts and emails, uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. This is from um, this is from Julie, who says, came home to the news yesterday. My thoughts and prayers with the young man's family. Yes, I, th- I think for everybody. I think everybody said exactly the same. Um, another one here, which is from... Who's this from? From watching the TV yesterday... I heard a presenter say the police were there but could do nothing until the armed police arrived. I've known Woolwich all my life and been to many events in the parade ground. The area's changed so much. I only live about three miles away, but I've not shopped there for the last ten years. I've just heard you say the soldier was only 20. Even more upset. He'd just come from a recruitment office. We don't know any more details about him. We don't know anything at all. We don't know whether he was working in the recruitment office or what. Uh, So uh, that will no doubt emerge as the... uh, as the day goes on, and I'm quite sure it'll be in the papers, probably either later on today in the Standard, or it will be, uh, it'll be on the front page of the papers tomorrow. Uh, a lot of people saying main concerns are about the reprisals. I don't think there will be any, any reprisals. 
I don't think so. I think people are people are far too uh, sensible to think about things like that because they realise it's just a couple of oddballs, a couple of fanatics who don't really care about anybody at all. Least of all their own families themselves. They have no respect for anybody. They're not. They're not, nothing to do with religion. I'm afraid. Not like uh, normal people. Um, also in the paper today, trying to find some stories that uh, sort of lighten the load. It's not easy to lighten the load today. And uh, this is... Uh, oh, dear, no. Oh, yes, the um, the British grandmother. You remember this one? We seem to have shunted her to one side, facing the death penalty. Uh, three leading judges have expressed great sympathy for her, but said a government decision not to pay for her lawyer was lawful. Given a Court of Appeal ruling, the Master of the Rolls, Lord Dyson, said the Foreign Office was not legally obliged to provide an adequate lawyer for Lindsay Sandiford. The 56-year-old knows she has been sentenced to death by firing squad after being convicted of drug smuggling in Bali. It's dragging on a bit, this one now, isn't it? I think she's got a... Somebody has paid for another lawyer for her, and they're hoping to find some, some sort of loophole which means that they can spare the uh, the death penalty. But as we said before, it's very unlikely to have been carried out because it's uh, they haven't carried out a death, death penalty for, for ages and ages. Uh, a lot of people uh, at the Queen's Garden Party the other day, at least they got some reasonable weather for it, and so they were. The Queen hosted her Buckingham Palace Garden Party for competitors and officials of the London 2012 Games. And the good and the great were there. That's uh, swimmer Rebecca Adlington, double bronze winner, joked that the party was almost the last hurrah for the Olympics. Well, I'm still hurrahing for the Olympics. I'm still a big fan of the Olympics. I'm still the person who's still waving the flag and sort of shouting from the rooftops how brilliant we are and how good we are at putting on these, uh, these kind of events. Very good indeed. There's also um, a former jockey, Philip Hyde, who's got compensation after a serious fall at Cheltenham uh, the appeal court said was foreseeable. They reversed a ruling that the 2006 incident could not reasonably have been guarded against by course owners, the Jockey Club. So he's managed to get £58,000 compensation. More pictures in the paper today of Sharon Stone. We were saying yesterday how fantastic Sharon Stone looked at the age of uh, 55. And uh, it's almost unrecognisable as Sharon Stone. She almost appears to have been able to to turn the clock back and look absolutely stunning. Except I'm looking at her legs, and I'm not sure whether or not in the, the picture in the Daily Mirror today is just a bad picture, or in fact she's just got really bad knees. Because you never look at your knees. It's the only part of my body I never quite look at, actually. I, perhaps I should spend more time looking at my knees. They say here she's uh, stone ageless, and she is absolutely... Uh, also, the picture of people climbing Everest, bit of a, bit of a, bit of a meltdown going on there because they're so they're so busy on Everest. There's now a queue there for people to get to the top, and uh, as usual, we do love Penman and Summerlad, and uh, they expose crooks. They expose uh, all sorts of people who cheat you, the public, and so uh, that's. That's always worth a read. And statues commissioned by the Daily Mirror more than 50 years ago were sold at auction uh, for £300,000 after being found under a pile of rubbish at the Cray Twins' old school. And so they asked the question, did the Crays steal the lost mirror art treasure? If they did, they probably forgot about it because it's been lying there for ages and ages and ages. 
And that's why it's, uh, it's so interesting, because they died years ago now. A builder, Brian McDowell, found these in an old garage at Bethnal Green Academy. Yesterday, they went for three times their estimate. He said, I saw these statues. I don't even know what they are, to be honest with you. He said, they were in quite bad condition, but looked interesting. The school said I was welcome to take them, so I put them on the back of my van. When I got home, the wife said, I don't want those in the garden. They'll give the grandchildren nightmares. <laughs> so after cleaning them up... He spotted a name written on one of them, which is uh, Nwonwu, contacted the Mirror and Bonhams after realising they were an important piece of art, but the mystery remains about how the art ended up at the school. One theory, which fits because uh, the gangsters Rennie and Roger were former pupils, is the statues were stolen, then hidden, because they were so big they were impossible to sell. But whatever the truth, they'd be given a new lease of life. 300,000 pounds. So whose are they, then? Are they the man who was given them by the school? Presumably, yes, in which case he's very happy. Got £300,000 worth. There's also a, another nasty little person here. It's a groom locked up for looting the club where his wedding were held. Will become a dad in jail. Christopher Richards, a rather stupid person. Uh, Usher, George Taylor and two others stole booze, computers and DVDs worth 23000 They caused £24,000 worth of damage. Six months earlier... Kind-hearted club boss Catherine Murphy gave him and partner Bridie Sparks a half-price champagne buffet as the couple were broke because they go on the rob. That's what they do, so they've got them caught on CCTV. I mean, how dumb do they have to be, these people? In a statement, she says, when I heard you'd done it, I burst into tears. It's shaken my belief. I, I agree, actually. I mean, you know, you don't expect somebody to rob you, do you? When you sort of offer them the hand of friendship and offer them... You know, it's sort of a cheap wedding, but there again, perhaps they are tea leaves. Perhaps all they do is thieve, which is which is a great shame in this day and age, without thinking about the consequences. People now seem to have actions done, and then the consequences come later, and they go, oh, right. Uh, were these fanatics yesterday inspired by Al-Qaeda magazine? You remember the Muslim protest march in 2006 talking about behead those who insult Islam. Nobody's insulted Islam at all in this case. It's just somebody walking down a road. I don't quite understand it. And um, it, it says here, um, I'm, I'm looking at all the tweets that came out. I don't want to repeat any of them. They're, they're too, too horrendous, some of the, uh, the tweets. I, I, don't, uh, I don't subscribe to that kind of thing at all. Anything, anybody who's that sick and writes that kind of stuff, and as far as I'm concerned, deserves to be taken straight to prison. Uh, the Duchess of Cornwall and Kate wearing elegant designs yesterday at the garden party. Lots of pictures there. Kate's bump became the talk of the event. I wonder how you get an invite. I mean, obviously, in this particular case, it was the it was the Olympics. But how do you get an invite to the Queen's garden party? Do you have to do something nice? That's, or, or just somebody picks you out and they go, we're going to invite Steve Allen. We'll, we'll let him, you know, turn up in top hat and tails. Because the women get to wear fantastic outfits. The men just look like penguins, which is a great shame. Quarter to six. These headlines with Dan Whitehead. David Cameron will chair an emergency Cobra meeting. Alan. Let me get Susan Bookbinder here at 6.30 this morning, coming up with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7. Nick will be reacting to that brutal crime in Woolwich that has shocked London. We'll have reporters at the scene and eyewitnesses. And as Paul Clegg is postponed as the Deputy Prime Minister attends an emergency Cobra meeting, we'll have an exclusive report from Nick Clegg on what took place. Nick Ferrari and the team at 7 o'clock this morning on LBC 97.3. Glenn O'Glaser, political journalist, will be looking at the papers this morning. And you know what they're full of. Uh, even if you've just woken up, you heard the story yesterday because it started, it's unfolded today, and now you see the pictures. They're on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, of the uh, fanatic 
Uh, a man who claims he's doing it in the name of Islam. Of course, he's not. He's deluded, probably on drugs, I should imagine. But wanted to be filmed by the uh, by the bus company. His hands are covered in blood. He's holding a machete and a meat cleaver. And, uh, as I say, it's uh, it's a story that runs on every newspaper at the moment, mainly because people are expressing incredulity that it can actually happen on the streets of London in broad daylight. But as we've said, it's not just it's not uh, something that could apply to Woolwich. This, this could happen all over the place. It just happens to have been Woolwich. Uh, Ed says, very moving, sensitive news coverage regarding the Woolwich atrocity. Perhaps one way we can show we won't stand for such heinous behaviour while showing lasting respect to the victims and families would be to set up and contribute to a special Help the Heroes Fund. That's exactly what it does. It's, uh, it's, it's there to try and help people come back in uh, having been out in different situations, and I suppose in this particular case, it's even more important to uh, to do help for heroes. That's what you know. He was a hero. Didn't matter whether you knew him or whether you didn't know him. He was just an innocent person. It makes him a hero. Makes him a hero. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Very sad, says Joe, to hear about the death of Mick McManus. Also, the actor Richard Thorpe. And uh, did you say somebody from Man United passed away? No, I don't think it was Man United. I, uh, wait a minute. I think it was. Um, uh, wait a minute, it was um, uh, Brian Greenhoff. Yes, he was Man United, and he was only 60. He passed away the other day, but he didn't seem to have made the papers. I don't know why. I would think he uh, he deserves it as much as uh, as much as anybody. Uh, Jackie says, Mick McManus, one of the top stars, he headlined big shows against rival Jackie Pallo in an era when millions watched the sport on television. The wrestler, who had a number of nicknames, including The Man You Love to Hate made t- more TV appearances than any other wrestler in a career which spanned more than 20 years. He was 93. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Wrestling was hugely popular, says Jackie, in the early 60s and late 70s, because sport had a regular 40-minute slot before the Saturday afternoon football results on ITV. As I can remember, I used to read out horse racing results on LBC and sport. I used to do a sport programme and have to read out the football results. Tranmere Rovers 3... Woolwich Arsenal, six. You know, and you'd have to read that in a way that uh, that only I could. I actually quite like reading out sports results, actually. I thought I was particularly good at it. I didn't understand any of it, but I thought I was, I thought I was fairly good at it. Um, 84850, oh, steve at uk. Uh, one here. Um, it says here, there will be no reprisals, not because we're all sensible, because minorities are protected so heavily in law. I think it's a case of, I think in this case, the, the community down there are so shocked that there won't be reprisals. There shouldn't be. You know, it's got nothing to do with people, has it? It's got to do with these two people. If necessary, go round and sort of pick it their, their court case, I should imagine. But, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's what people choose to do in this day and age. But I, don't, I think, you know, we should spare a thought for the family and uh, spare a thought as to what they're actually going through. And at the moment, I should imagine it must be hell. Uh, Steve, oh dear, dancing on ice being axed. I'm sure that you, along with me, Steve, will be praying that Philip gets another job. Yes, but we're so hope. I mean, Philip Schofield's hardly ever used on television now, and I'm so hoping that ITV uh, will sort him out with something. I couldn't bear to think he's only got about seven jobs running on the television and things like that. Uh, the response was by four eyewitnesses, four to six minutes, not twenty. Says Sue. No, it was twenty minutes for the armed response unit. Okay, four minutes for the police to turn up. The armed response unit, 20 minutes. OK? She says the attack took two, three minutes. Nobody had a chance to stop it. Well, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. You have to look at it sensibly. She says, why do we turn on the police when two insane, violent people viciously attacked a fellow human being? Because they took 20 minutes to get the armed response unit there. That's why, Sue. 
Simple as that. The police were there in four minutes, but they couldn't do anything. They had to stand there and watch because they were dealing with somebody who had a gun and a machete, so they had to wait for the armed response unit. So that's, that's why. Uh, Maria says, very sombre show today, in keeping with the mood of the nation. Sending my deepest condolences to the family of this poor young man. As a nurse, my thoughts are with those of the medical staff who have to look after these scumbags. It's hard to be professional in these circumstances. It is hard to be, it is hard to be fresh. You're absolutely right. It must be very difficult for people who have to, to deal with that, knowing what they've done, and then thinking, why should I bother looking after these people? Why, why would I bother doing it? And the answer is because that's what you do. ITV's controller of entertainment is in the papers today. This is John K. Cooper, who's commissioned Cilla Black's 50 years in show business. Good God, is it really? Anyway, a treat in store. John had no trouble fixing the deal with Cilla's agent, Laurie Mansfield. Why would he? Laurie Mansfield is his agent as well. I love the idea that ITV's controller of entertainment has an agent. I quite like that idea. I think that's quite a good idea. Laurie Mansfield's got loads of people, hasn't he? There's so, so many people I've met. I've met Laurie Mansfield on numerous occasions. He's sort of is one of those ageless... A bit like Jonathan Shallot, an ageless kind of a person. They don't... They don't but like Barry Burnett, they don't age these people. There must be something about being agents that keeps you... Fre- I suppose it's always trying to sort of try and get work for your clients. I'd be interested in seeing Cilla Black's 50 years in the business. Because she has done a lot. She has done a lot. Sweden, they've had riots... Three, uh, three nights of riots, I'm afraid, in Sweden. Let's have a quick look through the Express this morning. All the papers are doing the same. The terror fanatics and the, uh, and the soldier. And you look at these people and they just look... They look as though they're quite a few uh, screws loose, I'm afraid. Uh, I mentioned earlier on that uh, light... I discovered this years ago. Light, apparently, from electronic devices, disrupts your sleep. And the one thing that is at the top of the list is your computer. Now, I don't know if your computer switch... My brother, for some reason, turns his computer off at night. And I've said, no, leave it. It'll go into a sleep mode. You know, my, my, my computer will have different things on it. And all of a sudden, it just goes into sleep if I've not used it for a while. So when I click on the mouse in the morning, it comes back to life. Here, we turn them off. Not physically turn them off, but we sort of keep them turned off. And so you have to log in because there's so many people using so many different computers. But uh, this is the thing that disrupts your sleep. And so, in other words, blue light from computers, smartphones and energy-efficient bulbs is contrib- contributing to an epidemic of sleeplessness. And I have spoken to people before. And in fact, it's, I don't know whether it's, it's just sort of in London, because it, you know, we've got lights all over the place. I mean, as I say, I've, I've been around Trafalgar Square and it's fairly dim at night. But uh, the light of street lamps, apparently, can keep you awake. Well, I don't have any trouble sleeping whether a light... In fact, I have been to sleep with all the lights on before. I know this because I've fallen asleep in front of the television. And I never seem to worry about it. And I don't have any, any sort of... S- bad sleeping patterns at all. I'm, I'm actually quite quite lucky, unlike some people I know who suffer really badly and cannot get any sleep. But the, the trick is, don't drink alcohol. If you're overweight, you're going to find it difficult. If you smoke, you're going to find it difficult. If you eat before you go to bed, it's difficult. And if you don't go out and get some exercise during the daytime, there you go, you see. And if you... All those sort of things. And that's why, if you work nights or early mornings, it becomes a bit more difficult because your day pattern is somewhat disrupted from everybody else's. You know, because, you, A, you don't know where you are half the time, do you? You've got no idea, because you come in in sort of half-light, and you go home in, in light, so that there's never any sort of darkness, apart from when you actually go home, and eventually you sort of fall into bed and fall asleep. But, of course, as yesterday, the events were unfurling in Woolwich. I know some people have been up all night. You know, people have been listening to uh, to LBC, because uh, we were there 
We were there. Uh, 84850, steve at You've got um, 30, 33 minutes to have a go for the gadget giveaway for today. It's the Apple iPad Mini. I wouldn't normally have done this. It's because it's a, a media-friendly piece of equipment. This is the one you want. Uh, it was Pat Irish from Hornchurch who got yesterday's uh, fabulous Android tablet. So, well done. Congratulations. Today, the Apple iPad Mini. It does all that the big one can do, only this one slips in your pocket. It's amazing the technology it's got in there. I mean, it really is amazing the technology is in there. And it can be yours. You need to know the answer to this question. How many months are there in a century? How many months are there in a century? You text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, Follow by your answer and send that to 84850. 84850 before 6.30 this morning. So about 32 minutes. The text will cost you £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. But uh, you've got to get those entries in quickly and hopefully it'll be your name we read out on the programme for tomorrow. Um, regarding Sharon Stone, says Patrick, have you ever seen the film Death Becomes Her with what I consider to be Bruce Willis's finest acting performance? Laugh out loud. He said, but that serum exists in real life and Sharon's probably taken it. Well, she looks amazing. She looks unrecognisable as Sharon Stone. Whether it's the new hairstyle or anything, I've got no idea. But whatever it is, she looks, uh, she looks pretty good on it. Pretty good on it. Um, police here are mentioned in the paper today because they've got... Uh, a new headquarters that stood empty for years. They wasted £11.5 million. And I don't know where this money comes from. Hampshire Constabulary spent £9.6 million by White Elephant Alpha Park in Chandler's Ford. £3 million more than it was valued at. Although nobody works there, they've since spent £1.8 million on round-the-clock security. So now they've decided to cut their losses and sell it. Because quite clearly somebody said, "Why? what are we paying for here? We're paying for an empty building. Yes. Why? Uh, we don't know. Sell it. For goodness sake, sell it. Angry rank-and-file police representatives said the waste would stick in the throat of the more than 400 officers who face losing their jobs as part of the £50 million budget cuts. Yes, I should imagine so. It uh, it will too. 84850, uk. There's also the teachers who were on the television yesterday. I don't know if you saw them. Who were the ones who saved as many children as they could from the twister. And uh, sad stories they told, but my God, what courage, what courage these people showed. News at six is coming up next. It's LBC 97.3, and it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. With Steve Allen. Morning, every four minutes past six. Uh, we've decided today that um, we're not going to do our usual blog. Instead, we're just going to send sympathies to the uh, family. And also, there's no extra podcast today. We'll do it back again tomorrow. We thought today, out of respect, uh, it didn't really seem right that on one side of the page we've got the LBC website, you know, the sombre blog, on the other side, all singing, all dancing in the wonderful world of celebrity. So, uh, today, ha- listen, to an, uh, listen to an old one. Go back into the LBC archives. Go back to the 2009 and, uh, and make sure that you've downloaded all the right things. All the right things. Uh, Stevie Nice Dulwich says condolences and every sympathy uh, to the family. Well done to all at LBC for keeping things on track. 
Yes, I mean, I think you have to. I think you absolutely have to. And uh, somebody else says, may I say, in a difficult climate, the police did a great job and were very professional. My thoughts with the soldier and the police officer who shot the suspects. It was a woman, actually. Can't be easy on them. I think that's what they had to do. They, there was no two ways about it. They had to um, They had to do that and bring them down, so they're now under arrest. The story in the papers today is of, of the, uh, the madman, the blood on his hands, the hatred in his eyes. You know, just somebody who's quite clearly high as a kite on drugs or something. I mean, it's not normal behaviour for anybody at all, whether it happens in Woolwich or anywhere else. Uh, Also, the teachers who put their lives on the line to save youngsters in Oklahoma, they were heroes yesterday for me. And they were praised for their bravery. Tales of incredible heroism emerged, uh, as indeed they have done in Woolwich with the Cub Scout leader down there, the woman who was sort of cradling the young man who lost his life. Whether he'd passed away by that time, I, I do not know. Uh, either way, she was incredibly brave to front up, and many other people fronted up to these two people. Uh, the woman over in Oklahoma, uh, Jordan Cobb, with her mother, uh, Ledonna. Who's oh, got such interesting names in America? Ledonna. That's a, that's a Christian name, believe it or not. She lay on top of the children to, to protect them. There's also pictures still of people sitting there, surrounded by what, what is left of their house, what remains of their house and being, you know, very sad about the whole thing. And I can, I can imagine it, because they've got no, no belongings. It's all gone. Everything's gone. They've got nothing at all. And somebody did raise the question the other day. He said, well, where do they sleep now? And you think, well, they get put up in local halls and stuff like that. But uh, eventually, it will be rebuilt. We do rebuild after the tsunami. People rebuilt. You know, people get on with it. After the shootings in Woolwich, people will come to terms with it. People will go about their daily business. People will. It's, I mean, it's, it's very distressing for many people, especially those that witnessed it. But the police are calling for as many witnesses as they can get, even though they've got footage on people's phones. They want all the witnesses that they can. And you just need to contact your local police station. They'll put you in touch with the right people. And uh, what they're looking for is, a, is as many eyewitness reports so they can make sure they get a cast-iron case without any silliness going on. You know, he's admitted it already. And uh, the other one here, he's got blood on his hands, a suburban high street and a fanatic. You know, and that's all it takes, unfortunately, nowadays. He was just in wrong place, wrong time. Uh, motorists uh, are in the paper today. There were actually some good news for motorists. Not very often we have good news for motorists, I'm afraid. But uh, this time it is. Apparently the cost of filling a family car has plunged by £6. Oh, whoopee-doo. I'm sorry, I can't get excited over six quid. Costs about £100 to fill my car up. In fact, probably just over. But that's quite normal. I, I, fill, I was filling up the other day, and the person who had the, uh, the pump before me, a small car, it seemed a relatively small car, £96 in petrol. I assumed it must have had a leak or something. But now they're saying that because petrol has plunged, um, now you can save £6 on filling up. But how many people actually let their tank drain down to nothing? Answer, not many of you. And the reason you don't do that is because at the bottom of the petrol tank there will be sludge, there will be silt, because you just never get to the bottom of it. And that, you don't want to go through your jets because it'll clog them up and it'll, oh, it's dreadful. So, in fact, we all go in there and we put, as we used to years and years ago, 20 quid, 50, depending on how much you've got on you. Or failing that, because I always pay cash for petrol. A lot of people I know put it on cards. But there again, I've seen people put a sandwich on a card before. Hardly seems worth it, I'm afraid. Uh, Jerry Halliwell 
has opened up about the unsuccessful Spice Girls musical Viva Forever and her surprise because she thought it'd be a huge success. Writing on her blog, Jerry admitted she thought the musical would work well, but she has no regrets. I've learnt in life that sometimes things just don't work out. Good Lord, honestly, it's amazing, isn't it? She's reached the age of whatever it is she's reached the age of, and she's worked out that some things don't work out. I don't know why Viva Forever didn't work. I know that yesterday, uh, was it yesterday? Day before, uh, there was a big crowd went to see Warhorse. Lots of people went to see Warhorse. LBC people went to see it, and ex-LBC people. And uh, apparently there was a very good turnout. About 200 people uh, went with this one particular group. And so it was people catching up with each other. And loads of names from the past, they were telling me yesterday, who went there. And I thought, oh, I wish I'd gone. But sadly, midweek, no chance. And I was saying to people, what did you think of Warhorse? And they said, it's amazing. A little bit long. You know, in terms of, of theatrical presentations, a little bit long. But you forget after a while that these horses are just puppets. You do forget when it comes onto the stage, and they're so big. They're, you know, they aren't little little puppet things. They're huge. They're full size. Look like giant cart horses. But the the puppeteers are so brilliant that you can't fail but be impressed. But very shortly, in fact, within about a minute, you forget that there are people wearing all black who are operating the horses. They appear real. You see through them. You're looking at what's what's technically a skeleton, but it's just brilliantly done, absolutely brilliant. So that's why we can't quite understand. Jerry Halliwell said she thought that Viva uh, Forever was going to last. I didn't quite see it. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what the real reason is, why the public didn't take to it, but there are lots of other reasons. You know, when you get a West End show, sometimes... You have a West End show and you think, God, that's still going. I can't believe it. And then other times something opens and you think, that'll be nice. I mean, I've been listening to a a couple of shows recently in the car. One is Rags, which is a a brilliant musical, which somebody told me was coming over here. And the other one I keep listening to is Metropolis, only because it's got some really great tunes. And again, it was another ill-fated show which ran at the Piccadilly Theatre, which seemed to be famous for having ill-fated shows. Show after show after show. Uh, didn't do particularly well there, and I don't know why. There's no reason. There's no reason why this theatre wouldn't do well. Uh, Diana says, I went to a Buckingham Palace garden party as the representative of the National Archives where I was working. It was a civil service and the forces day. Fantastic afternoon. And the hottest July the 17th for years. I took my son as my guest, as much tea, sandwiches and cakes as we wanted. It was so hot the men started taking off their ties, then their jackets, whilst the ladies were taking off their hats and shoes. Eventually, tights were being removed. Good Lord. That's, that's a shooting, isn't it? After all, after the, uh, the Queen had left the garden, of course, certain people were introduced to Her Majesty by her equerries, who had their lists and got people ready for their turn. It was a fascinating experience, albeit a wilting one. Yes, you have, to, you have to wait, don't you, while, while the Queen's there. I think it must be quite interesting. The Queen comes in there and she must look down there. You can see her saying to Philip, here we go again. You know, she wanders through all these people. And, uh, and very well she does it too. Talking very well, Liberace, played by Michael Douglas. Um, to be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, it looks like Michael Douglas in a wig. I must be the only person who thinks it doesn't look at all like Liberace. And Matt Damon... This is taken from Scott Thorson's book, Behind the Candelabra. He claims to have been a heterosexual man who had a relationship with Liberace in the 80s. It's, it's fascinating. It, it's a fascinating read about life with Liberace, about, you know, the shows, and he was part of them. And it was, it was really, really interesting. It's released on June the 7th. 
I can't wait to get it on DVD. I wonder what who would go and see this film, because there can't be many of you, and yes, you're over a certain age, who would be interested in the life of Liberace. So that's why I can only say to you, go to YouTube today and, and have a look at a few of Liberace's experiences on stage. It was all very glamorous. It was all very sort of zhuzhy and show-busy. And I said, to, I said to a friend of mine, I said, I'll send you a DVD of Liberace's show. She said, I can live without it. I said, oh, why? I said, well, you're not interested. She said, oh, yes, I'm interested in the film shed, but I don't, you know, anything else, I can go on to, uh, onto YouTube. And so that's what she's done. Do you remember the, uh, the four Brits who we featured on the programme, who paid 54 quid for an ice cream, have now been given red carpet treatment on a VIP trip to the city? They're a right bunch of moaning old Marys. Here they are, there's a picture of them, finally. Roger Bannister, his brother Stephen and wives Wendy and Joyce with the receipt for their ice cream. It was outrageous who paid this much money, I can't believe it. And so they were given a VIP treatment. It's only blooming ice cream, for God's sake. I was on the... I know I was on their side. I've changed my opinion now. Now I've seen a picture of them, I've changed my opinion. 54 quid for an ice cream. You go to Rome, you expect to be ripped off. You know, everybody gets... Don't go to eat any place near the Trevi Fountain. Rip-off places. But then the same could be said in London. You want to see what some of the restaurants around here are charging tourists for a cup of coffee and a piece of cake. You know, so, uh, you know, you pays your money, you takes your choice. I'm in favour of taking your own ice cream with you. I think that's the way forward, ladies and gentlemen. LBC 97.3 After Susan Bookbinder, at seven o'clock this morning, Nick Ferrari will be reacting to that brutal crime in Woolwich that has shocked London and everywhere else, I'm afraid, he'll have reporters at the scene and eyewitnesses. And as Call Clegg is postponed, as the Deputy Prime Minister attends an emergency COBRA meeting, we'll have an exclusive report from Nick Clegg on what took place. Nick Ferrari, after news at seven. Look at the papers today. Glenn O'Glaser, the political journalist and the former Sky News political correspondent, will be in the studio. New musical opening at the Palladium. It's called I Can't Sing. What do you think it's about? Yes, you've guessed correctly. It's the X Factor musical. Uh, this has got lots of lots of people talking about it. It's only in for a limited time, but it's got music and lyrics from Steve Brown. I think Harry Hill is doing book and lyrics as well. There's also it's got a real big cast actually, a real big cast. And what it is, it's going to be, I suppose, it's an all singing, all dancing, Mickey taking spectacular, uh, which is um, which has been given the the go ahead by Psycho which, as you know, is Simon Cowell's company. So the X Factor musical heading to the London Palladium, I Can't Sing. I think opening night is confirmed for 26th of March 2014. So next year, they're going to be doing previews from the um, groups and preview period on sale from this Thursday, the 23rd of May. Previews from 27th of Feb of next year. So that'll be interesting, won't it? Just going back to this couple and the, um, and the ice creams that they bought in Rome and they spent their £54. I think it was £54. Uh, which is an awful lot of money. Anyway, they, they, they complained, as you know, to the local newspaper. Uh, the mayor then went, uh, see, you must come back. And because he's like that, because he's Italian. And uh, everybody talk like this. And so then, by the way, they didn't have to do well out of it. The two couples from Dudley in the West Midlands, you can imagine, they would have talked like that. We're back in Rome. They were greeted at the airport by tourism officials, embarrassed. First of all, I've ever heard of anything like this. Embarrassed by the naming and shaming. They were put up at the luxury uh, Gimera Grand Hotel on Via Veneto, uh, immortalised, of course, by the film La Dolce Vita. It's €600 Euros a night. They had a spa, complimentary massage and a rooftop terrace. And um, a st- 
shunning the, the gelateria that left them fuming, the family tried a local favourite. This time, they paid €2.5 Euros each. Because before, if you remember, they paid €64 Euros for four ice cream. Uh, lunch at the Harry's Bar. They were shown the uh, Piazza Navoni's Benini Fountains, the archaeological remains of the ancient underground Roman villa, and they're touring the museum. So it's a bit of a, bit of a shock for them. He said, when we were given the bill for this, for €64, Euros, he said, we walked out in disbelief. You see, most people I know would have gone, I'm not paying that, and walked out anyway. You can stick your ice cream, €64, Euros. I'm going to laugh. £54, that's what it turned out to be, an awful lot of money for the ice cream. But they did get a free holiday, and that, I think, shows, uh, shows wonderful fortitude. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, also, good morning to uh, Tony DeMars. Uh, Tony was the partner of um, Carlos Douglas, who was the waiter in Duty Free. He said, I was his partner for 25 years, wonderful years. He said, I'm now 72, and he makes, makes masks and stuff like that. So, uh, good to hear from you. Uh, it's almost like the Liberace story, as I say, but looking at it, though, it does just look like Michael Douglas with a wig on. I looked at some clips the other day on the... Because t- apparently no big studio would actually touch the Liberace story. And they say the King of Sparkle's secret life. There was no secret. Everybody knew exactly what Liberace was. He was a queen who played the piano. I mean, and he played it very well. And he dressed up in outrageous costumes, and I've seen them, and they were outrageous. But that's what people expected. You go to Vegas, you're expecting a bit of zhuzh and a bit of sparkle, aren't you? You know? I wonder, actually, what the residents of Rome think about their mayor paying for some whingy Brits to have a second holiday. Well, I'm thinking about doing the same in Skegness. I'm thinking about going there and buying something in Skegness, like a portion of chips, and then complaining bitterly about the price of them and mushy peas and stuff like that. See if I can get free holiday in Skeggy. I probably won't. Uh, quickly, let's uh, clear up your uh, your uh, emails and texts for this morning on the programme. Uh, Mark says... Um, I've never seen a house smart in this close before, let alone a nest. This one right above our apartment door in Turkey, because he's over there. Actually, I was going to ask something. I'll tell you what I was going to ask. And I, it's, it's, I can't remember who I'm going to ask, actually, about it. Let, let me just... I'll, I'll come back to that tomorrow. I was going to ask somebody whether or not you can be a diabetic and drive a London bus. Or, if you're a diabetic, can you not drive a London bus? Uh, 84850, Vish says, I emigrated to Vancouver almost eight years ago. The UK seems to have changed so much. He says, hearing about this dreadful news from, from Woolwich, that's what we're getting from, from loads of people. Uh, one of the worst things I've ever seen on television, says Paul. Read the police taking 20 minutes to arrive at the scene. No, this was the, this was the armed response unit that took 20 minutes, and we don't know whether or not they were deployed somewhere else. We're, we're, not, we're not sure about that at all. Uh, 84850, I've got uh, news on, uh, and I'm watching it. A lot of people hyping it up. Thank God for LBC's fair and responsible coverage which is more than I can say for, uh, for Sky, they've just decided to drop the, uh, the voice of uh, one of the alleged killers, for some reason best known to themselves, and uh, just put up still images. Uh, one here. This is uh, from... Uh, uh, who's this one from? This is from... Oh, from Joe. And who says... Uh, Brian Greenhoff. I remember Brian and his brother Jimmy playing for United in England. I'm only young, born in 68. This is somebody else who uh, died the other day. We're losing, losing quite a lot of people, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at Let's quickly get through some more of them here. The amount of people I've discovered who have been to uh, Buckingham Palace garden parties. Um, Peter in Old Street, he says, I'm a first-time listener. You tell it as it is. No soft soap. I'm ex-army. I'm so depressed today. Uh, I think that's how a lot of people are feeling, actually. You feel a bit sort of deflated by the whole thing. Uh, Sue says, I saw Warhorse last year. Front row seats with Joey the Foal nibbling grass right in front of me at eye level. Gives me a buzz thinking about it. Well, I, I tell people, go and see it. 
It's a great show. Great, great show. You forget that they are that they are puppets. And that's what's so so brilliant about them. Absolutely brilliant about them. Uh, one here. Oh, sorry, I've just realised, actually. I'll, I'll run through the, uh, the front pages of the papers in a, in a moment, just before we finish. But uh, let me tell you, you've got four minutes left for the gadget giveaway and your chance to get your hands on the iPad Mini today. One lucky person will get it and in a matter of minutes because the lines close at 6.30. How many months in a century? How many months in a century? You text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 848... Five zero. How many months in a century? So it's gadget, then your answer, and send it to eight four eight five zero to get here before six thirty this morning. Unless it's twenty seven minutes past six, you've got to get your skates on. Text costs one pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So these are the front pages you're waking up to this morning. If you've uh, if you have only just turned on the radio. Uh, the Metro, the knife man's chilling warning after the soldier was butchered on the London street. You will never be safe. We will not stop fighting. He's fighting his own little war out there by himself. Uh, the Daily Mirror, the evil face of terror. Here he is now, smeared with blood and carrying a cleaver and a knife, a crazed terrorist. Says, uh, you know, he's, he's done all his uh, ranting before. It's the same picture on the front of the Daily Man. In fact, it's the same picture on all of the newspapers because he asked to be filmed by somebody. I think they were getting off a bus. And so uh, this was at 2.20 in the afternoon. Uh, two men are now under arrest. Uh, the victim, as you now know, who, is, uh, who has died, was wearing a Help for Heroes T-shirt. The Independent on the front page this morning have got exactly the same picture, but this time they've got... Uh, Two of the photographs, two people who were, uh, they say, responsible for the uh, murders of this young man. People hanging around on the streets waiting for the armed response unit. Police have then uh, come back and they've then shot them. And so that's why uh, these pictures are on the front pages of the papers. They're on the LBC website as well, lbc.co.uk. And the sun, we killed this British soldier. It's an eye for an eye. The fanatics' evil rant after they say the beheading. I'm not sure whether or not the beheading was actually uh, true. We're back with you uh, tomorrow morning. There's no podcast for today, and the blog is uh, short and sweet. It's RIP. Uh, we're back with you tomorrow at four. Nick and the team with you at seven. Next, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3